Hey everybody, what's going on? Another week, another episode. This is the Live Life Aggressively podcast with your host, Mike Mahler, Sincere Hogan, and we got a guest in the house today. Got our man, Ken Blackburn, in the house. What's going on, brother? Hey, thanks for having me, man. Hey, man, great to have you on. Oh, thanks, Mike. Wait a minute, Sincere and I started doing the show, we knew you'd be a natural fit to have on as a regular guest. And for those of you that don't know Ken, he's one of the best kettlebell instructors, period. He's produced several master of sport, which is his son being one of them. And I, I believe Donica is the other, Ken. And is there one more? Oh, Three masters. Yeah, in terms of, of master of sport, we've got, uh, we've got Sarah Lieber, we've got Donna Castorino, uh, we've got Mitch, and we also have John Lesko. And uh, oh, numerous CMSs is on the team. So we're kind of hoping by the end of 2013 we're going we're gonna to double the number of uh, MSs. Yeah, and anyone who's ever worked with Ken knows that he's an incredible instructor, and he just he just knows how to personalize things really well. And that's one thing Sincere and I have talked about in the past, how if you want to be a good coach, you want to be a good trainer, it's not about cutting and pasting some article from a magazine and sending that off to your clients. You have to personalize programs to people's needs. And when you do that, just look at the great results that Ken's producing as a coach. And sure, he's got great people working with him, but look at their results before Ken started fine-tuning, and then look at it after, and it's just night and day. And Sincere, I know you work with Ken. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm a testament to that, man. I mean, recently, um, they, they just um, the IKFF just introduced the five-minute sprint event um, this past March. And in that event, man, I mean, according to the rankings, I got CMS. And pretty much the funny thing is, in a five-minute event, compared to what I just competed about four months prior to that, I did a 10-minute event with the Snatch Only, and I completed – 116 reps in about eight and a half minutes. Yeah, I didn't even make it to 10 minutes with that. You know, fast forward to four months later, I do the five-minute event, completed all five minutes with the snatch only, only one-hand switch, and I did 106 reps. So I was only 10 reps shy of what I did eight and a half minutes, but I did it in five minutes. So that's just a testament of the kind of programming that Ken's done for me and helped me to improve with my technique, my numbers, and just overall as a kettlebell athlete. I think one of the things we want to do, um, for sure, I know we, we talk about masters of sport and things like that, but for those who are not familiar with kettlebell sport, per se, um, I guess, Ken, just explain to us what exactly is master of sport. Uh, master of sport, this is actually based off a Russian ranking system. And, you know, what it is is, you know, you can get a master of sport in a number of different things, not just kettlebells. So if you're a Russian athlete, you could compete in gymnastics, you could compete in martial arts. And so master of sport is, you know, somewhat analogous to like a black belt type ranking, you know, that shows that you've really reached the higher levels in that sport. And for kettlebell sport, uh, the rankings are connected to a weight class, they're connected to a kettlebell weight, and then they're connected to a designated number of repetitions. So somebody could, you know, go to our website, they could pull up the rankings, they could say, okay, I weigh 90 kilograms, they scroll down, they look at 32-kilogram kettlebell, and then that's going to tell them the number of reps they would need to hit to achieve candidate master of sport, uh, master of sport, or master of sport international class. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to bring that up because I know sometimes people are like, what the heck are they talking about this master of sport? And they're probably confusing with another word that starts off with master, and I'm like, nope, wrong show. So. <laughs> kind of like, like the master. Kind of like the master. What word do you mean? <laughs> master of Schwartz in space. <laughs> oh, uh, master of sport and loneliness. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Sincere's the only guy who thinks that going from a ten-minute snatch to five minutes is actually a testimonial. So I don't know. I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't know if that's but actually see, right, correct? It's all like, about the numbers, brothers. How many times you can hit yeah, it? Yeah, you know? it's the, the quality. Of the job. 
the tears like, yeah, man, he took my time on the snatch from 10 minutes to five. <laughs> quality, baby. It's all about the quality. <laughs> yeah, it's all about being productive, right? I mean, why waste 10 minutes when you can finish it in five, right? Like, you know, after a while, anybody, you know, those girls tell you, ain't nobody got time for that. Sincere's <laughs> got other stuff going on, man. He's got to watch Game of Thrones. He's got stuff to do. <laughs> Also, Ken, with kettlebell sport, for those that don't really aren't that familiar with that style of kettlebell training, what do you think are the major benefits? So let's say someone doesn't even care about competing in the sport. They just want to incorporate that style of training into their workouts. What do you think are some of the top benefits of doing it? So, I would say the number one benefit is going to be work capacity. So when we say work capacity, really what we're talking about is strength endurance. So uh, in the past, you know, I kind of found kettlebells and kettlebell sport because I came from a martial arts background. So I was always looking for some type of conditioning that was actually going to carry over and right. make me a better fighter. And at the time, I was doing, you know, a lot of powerlifting and, of course, you know, the bodybuilding and the concentration curls and all that stuff. And what I found is that for the first minute, you know, I was, you know, I was pretty tough. But then after that minute elapsed, there was just nothing there. Right. So I was looking for something to where I was going to be strong, but I was going to be strong over a longer period of time. And with kettlebell sport, that's exactly the attribute you get. You're strong, but you can be strong over an extended period of time. So like in the example Sincere just gave, you know, he's working for five minutes, he's moving load, he's moving at a fast pace. And so that's the type of conditioning that almost any athlete is going to want. So kettlebell sport isn't just for kettlebell sport athletes. It's really for any athlete. Okay. No, it's cool, man. It's, yeah. it's kind of kind of like if you're if you're a one minute man, then in, instead of taking Cialis or Viagra, you can start doing kettlebell sport and get into those that build that work capacity. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> oh, is that is that all the spread list? <laughs> That's all the spreadsheet. No, 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 no cool. But uh, for for more information on kettlebell sport, and Ken Ken actually certifies instructors as well, and I know Sincere works with Ken quite a bit all over the U.S. Check out IKFFF.net. By far, my favorite kettlebell certification. It's the only one I recommend. Whenever people ask me which one they should go to, that's the only one I recommend. I think Ken and Steve and people like Sincere who work with them do a fantastic job. So I highly recommend that. And we'll, oh, we'll, thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, man. We'll remind people of that again at the end of the show. And I know you and Mitch have been doing some really cool stuff with Onnit. Been loving the clips that I've seen on YouTube. You guys are putting some great info out there. So we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, too. But one of the things we wanted to talk about today is just supplements that we've used that sucked, <laughs> you know, to be blunt. <laughs> because we always, we always hear about shows where everyone raves about all the great supplements that are out there, like, oh, take this, take that, and so forth. But any of us who've taken a lot of supplements, the majority of the stuff we've taken is garbage, didn't do jack shit, and we all know it. I mean, if I, I, I don't even want to think about how much money I've spent on supplements oh, since I started taking them. And I started taking them when I was 17, 18. So, I mean, I don't even want to – I mean, fortunately now I actually make my own supplements and sell them, so I'm probably making some of that money back. <laughs> but people, what people don't realize is that those of us that know a lot about supplements, it's not just from research, but it's from personal use as well. So we know what doesn't work, and often in life that's just as important as knowing what does work. So some of, some of the supplements I'll start us off with that I really felt – where they're just kind of funny to talk about because in some ways they work, but not for the right reasons. And the one that comes to mind the most is hot stuff. And uh, Sincere and I, Sincere is like, hot stuff? What the hell are you guys talking about? But hot stuff was a supplement back in, let's say, 1994, 1996. Oh, no, actually a little bit earlier than that, around 1990 to 1992. It was really popular. It was considered a breakthrough supplement at the time. 
and it had everything you could think of. If you looked at the ingredients, it had any supplement that they thought was remotely useful, they threw in there. So it was kind of like a kitchen sink approach. Let's just put anything we could think of in there. Who, who even knows what the dosage was for each ingredient? It just <laughs> threw everything in there. And the first couple of times you took it, like I took two bottles of it, maybe a two-month supply. I mean, everyone who took it, were, we were all getting stronger ridiculously fast. Like every time you would bench press, you were stronger. Every time you did a squat, whatever it was, you were stronger. And then all of a sudden, it didn't work. It never worked ever again. And the formula changed slightly. It tasted different. I just remember that I stopped using it because I didn't get anything out of it. I just remember the first two containers I used of it were incredible. But after that, it never worked. And then all of a sudden, we, we used to have something called the hot stuff farts because this stuff made you fart on command. I mean, if you took this thing like an hour before a workout, forget it, man. People knew you. People knew that you were on hot stuff like the second you walked in the door. You know, who knows what all the ingredients are? It was probably like dog food fillers, and who knows what was in it. But there's a there's a, there's a rumor. There's a rumor. That years later, I read about this that the early batches of hot stuff had a steroid in it and i forget forget which one it was but it was one that was highly correlated with strength gains so whenever people ask me have you ever used steroids i have to say i don't know they're like what do you mean i was like well i took hot stuff back in the day (laughs) who the hell knows what was in that dynabol you know who knows what was in that and i remember ken and i were talking about supplements and i brought up hot stuff thinking that he wouldn't even know what i'm talking about and he's like he got all quiet on the other side of the phone and ken's like hot stuff man that really takes me back (laughs) oh man I'm, i'm curious man what your experience was with it you know, Mike, it was pretty much exactly what you outlined. So, you know, I, I went to this health food store, and, you know, the lady, of course, is selling me hot stuff. And I'm like, how much does it cost? And she's like, you know, 90 bucks for, you know, 15 yeah. servings. And, yeah, at that point, I was like, I'm in. You know, I didn't care what I had to do. I was getting it. And for those first couple servings, you know, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. All my lifts are going up. And in addition to all the pimples I'm getting from puberty, I'm also getting additional pimples from this shit. So there was something funny in those first two badges. And like you, then they, when they introduced the new and improved thing, uh, it just no results and it tasted bad. Yeah. And the early batches were like erections on command. If you, if you even thought of a girl, I mean, you're a teenager, so you already have a really high sex drive and sensitivity, but it, it became ridiculous when you took hot stuff. Like if you even thought of a girl, you had like a full erection. You're sitting, and that's not fun when you're sitting in <laughs> trigonometry. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there in trigonometry. The teacher's like, "Hey, Mike, why don't you come on up to the board and fill out this equation?" It's like, "No, I can't do it right now." <laughs> you're like, "I can't. I'm having a stroke." <laughs> so, I mean, that, that you come up with any reason not to make that trip to the blackboard you're like no no my leg my leg it's paralyzed i am sorry i can't you know what the irony with all of that is though that it's, it's kind of a sad statement but it's like when you're young you get erections when you don't want it to happen it just happens spontaneously and then when you get older and i'm not talking about myself because i don't fall into this category <laughs> but a lot of, but a lot of older guys they could they couldn't get an erection at gunpoint so now you got to take pills and so forth <laughs> It's kind of a sad commentary, and it's just, it just goes to show you what happens when you don't take care of yourself and you have that natural breakdown. But I think, I think it's sad in life now when you meet guys in their 40s, and I'm talking like 42, 43, where it's just a given. Oh, if I want to have sex, I have to take Viagra. Or if I want to work out, then i, I got to take my painkillers ahead of time because I'm going to be beat up. And it, it, it's, it's crazy when I'm sprinting with my dogs and some guy walks by and he's like, oh, wait till you're my age. And then he's younger than me. 
know, that's, that's happened more than once. And so, I mean, I haven't, I'm going to be 40 in, in, in October and yeah, I've noticed you can't push yourself as hard as when you were a teenager, such as six days a week and go out drinking and then work out the next day and have a great workout. But there's no breakdown in terms of my health in the sense that I'm not walking around like, oh, my back or my knees, my elbow, or it's like, oh, I can't work out several times a week without being totally beaten up. But it seems like people accept this natural breakdown. It's like, well, when I hit my 40s, things are just going to deteriorate real fast. And since all my friends look the same way, all my friends look the same way, so I guess it's just normal. And a lot of us in the fitness world, we don't experience that because, frankly, all of my good friends are like you guys, people that are into health, fitness, et cetera. So we're kind of like an anomaly in that group. But I think it's, I think it's sad that people feel that being in your 30s is like your best years are behind you now. Or like when you're in your 40s, you're going to be beaten up. I mean, I've had women tell me, oh, no one believes I'm 31. I was like, like that's such an old age. 31, come on. Like you're, you're not like, it's not like you're 65 or something where people should be so shocked. When did 30 become old? <laughs> you know? But it's oh, just yeah. the, I think it's really, and it's one of those things, you got to be really careful how you define a situation because once you yeah. define you know, something as being a certain way, you own it. And right. I know so many people that have kind of grown up with that you know, horrible belief system that you know, once you hit 40, it's all done, man. You, know, you can't be doing athletics. You, know, you mm-hmm. can't really even be enjoying life. You know, sex goes out the window. And people have already, you know, predetermined. It becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy where they've defined that, you know what, once I hit this certain point, uh, it's all bad. Yeah, no, well, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I think, I think they're still holding on to, like, like hundreds and, like, centuries of belief, whereas the life expectancy was so much shorter. So right around 40 and 50 years old, let's say about a good 500, 1,000, 2,000 years ago, then, yeah, you know, you pretty much were considered old and you're about to be dead because, A, just out of survival, okay? But now we're, we're more advanced and, you know, technologically savvy world now. You know, our life expectancy is like, you know, the high 70s and, you know, upper 80s now. So it's not, we're not living that lifestyle. But what, what's crazy, the paradox in that is, even the ones who had – that life expectancy of like 40 years old where they were just pretty much hunting, grazing, and you could get attacked by a freaking lion or wherever else if you were out in the Serengeti or whatnot, you know, back then. The thing about them, they had a much healthier lifestyle than most of us who can actually live twice, you know, as far as twice the age they, they did back then. So we're living even unhealthier lives, but we're still getting the numbers in there. So it just that's the paradox and all that. But I think, like I said, it comes down to them really, a lot of people still holding on to those old beliefs from like, thousands of years ago where we didn't live that long. But it's like, okay, we, most people are making it to their 80s and living a crappy lifestyle. Hell, Willie, I mean, you got somebody like Willie Nelson, hard drinking, smoking weed, turned 80 last, well, two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, so, you gotta, <laughs> so obviously, maybe we should start smoking weed and drinking. I don't know. What do you mean start? <laughs> now, and I'll leave that ambiguous right there. But uh, so the other funny thing about it, Another funny thing about age is how we've all met people that are 25 who have old man energy. They just complain oh, yeah. about everything. It's like you're 25. It's like you're too young to be that cynical and jaded. You know, give it a few more years before you totally sell out. But we've all met these young people who are like, nah, that's not going to work. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. They have no excitement, no passion about anything. And then we met, we've all met people that are in their 60s, 70s who, yeah, I mean, they look like they're in their 60s and 70s, but their mentality is they're out there doing fun stuff. They're going on a safari to Africa. They're traveling the world. They're going to concerts. They're going to lectures. They're going. They're, they're physically active, hiking and so forth. They're having a good time. Yeah. So I think a, a lot of times, like what Ken is saying, 
you, you kind of buy into these mindsets and you have to be really careful about the bill of goods that people around you are selling you. And anytime you have a conversation with anybody, they're selling you something, either it's a product or a belief system or an idea. They're trying to convince you that what they're saying is some kind of absolute truth, whether they realize it or not. So we've all had stuff where it's like, oh, I'm thinking about trying to do this. And people around you will go, oh, that's uh, not going to work. Yeah, that's well, not going to work out. Why? Based on what? You're, you're, you have a crystal ball of my future? You know? <laughs> so, but when I got into the kettlebell business, it was like that. I was like, yeah, I'm going to move out to and, – and albeit, looking back, it sounded kind of nutty. It's like, look, I'm going to move out to Los Angeles, and I'm going to teach people how to throw a weight around with a handle on it. It's called the kettlebell. It's probably about 50 people in the whole country who own it. But it, it's one of those things where I used it. I believed in it. So my attitude was, why, aren't, why can't there be more people like me that would be interested in this thing? Because you always want to – I don't want to live a life where you're just trying to make money and you hate what you're doing. It's like I want it to be an extension of something I'm, I'm actually excited about, and that's always kind of the guiding force of my business is I don't get into anything if I'm not excited about it. I don't want to just do it for the money because – that's not going to, it's not going to be my best performance. And as a result, I'm not going to make the maximum income. Now, if I pick something where I really like it, I'm going to put in the hard work that's necessary to enjoy that maximum income from it. So now it's a win, win, win all around. You enjoy the process, you enjoy the achievement and it helps your business and it's rewarding on all fronts. So, I mean, I think a lot of times people choose what they think is convenient, or they hear something from someone like, yeah, he's right, or you're just hanging around a bunch of losers. You have to be really careful who you hang out with that, for those reasons. Yep. Oh, absolutely. But with this other no. – back, back on to the supplements. supplements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like to go off on tangents on this show, but back to the supplements. The other, the other one that really sticks out of my mind is the infamous fat-burning stack, and this was ephedrine, which is basically a mild amphetamine, Caffeine and aspirin. I don't even remember why aspirin was part of the stack. You know, well, that's, that's to help your heart. That's to help your heart when you when it's about to like pound out yeah, of your yeah. chest and everything. Attack, <laughs> I don't even remember why aspirin. It's like aspirin's cheap. Let's just throw that in the mix. Sounds cool. But I tell you what, that aspirin caffeine stack. Yeah, your heart rate. Your heart felt like it was about to jump out of your chest, but. You burned some serious fat on that sucker, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you couldn't be like in one week, you're like, whoa, what happened? It, it, just, it just got you pretty leaned out. And that, that's why it was so popular and people started abusing it. And there were some alleged health-related issues as a result of it, although it's never been yeah. clearly defined. It's always kind of correlated. But it was one of those things where <clears throat> we're basically all taking mild amphetamines under the guise of, oh, we're just trying to lose a little bit of weight here. And that the real neg- – so people often think, well, if it worked, <clears throat> why is that on your suck supplement list? It's like, well, it is because I know so many people that had such serious adrenal fatigue and adrenal exactly. failure for years. Like I know a lot of fitness models who would contact me after a long career, and they would tell me that they're addicted to ephedrine. They can't get out of bed in the morning without popping a pill. Because they have no natural energy reserves whatsoever. And this is what happens when you have adrenal burnout. It means that your natural energy production is gone. You don't wait. You wake up in the morning, not tired, but zero energy. Like it takes everything you have just to get out of bed and get going. You're, you're worthless until you get some coffee in you or some other stimulants, which just makes the cycle even worse. And then you get to the point where you're taking five, six times the dose, and even then you don't notice anything. So a lot of these, a lot of these former <clears throat> fitness models, or people that abused ephedrine are people that they didn't take it for energy. They took it just to feel normal because without it, they felt horrible. 
Well, yeah, on the flip side of that, it's just like, you know, even during that time, you know, you had things that were popular like Xenadrine and things like that, man. And right around the time that Xenadrine came out, and I think it, it had ephedra and all that in it as well, in the, in the first doses, you know, I was like in college at the time. So I was using it for double duty. A, I was using it while I was training and working out. And yeah. then, you know, that, and I usually would train at night. Okay, so how smart was that? But, you know, you know what you know when you knew it, okay? So <laughs> I would take that at night when I go work out. But then, you know, I got class, and I have to study throughout the day, so then I would take it again. You know, right. so in my mind, you know, because it's keeping me mentally sharp, at least I thought so. So basically, I was one of those cats who was getting like a double dose of that. I, you know, I didn't necessarily get like, um, you know, the, the syndrome, like, like I said, the alleged pitcher that died from it and all that. I mean, okay, getting back to that story, that story, every time I would hear it, that's the reason why the FDA banned the Federals because it's based around that story of the pitcher in Florida who was 300 plus pounds training in like July, you know, he, and he had a heart attack and they put that all over Federal. I'm like, okay, let's go back again. What about the fact that he was over 300 pounds in Florida, which Florida is like Texas light, okay, when it comes to like humidity. And, 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 and so it's July, okay, and this guy's pitching out in the middle of the day. Okay, so I don't think that was just all oh, ephedra right there. Well, it's, it's elevated heart rate. I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. And, and who let's knows? See, who knows what else he was taking with it? He could have been exactly. taking old past stuff. And yeah. I mean, he could, you know, he could have been like a just piss poor drunk while we know. But God forbid you try to ban alcohol. That's not gonna happen, <laughs> you know. So anyway, yeah, it's but, yeah. never about safety, you know. That's no, no, no. <laughs> often when, it, when the FDA takes something off the shelves, it's because it works. <laughs> it works. It, it works, and they're not getting a cut from it. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing about ephedrine is that – I think Charles Poliquin wrote about this back in the day – is that if you take a much smaller dose, so instead of taking 25 milligrams several times a day, which was the standard protocol, if yeah. you took 5 to 8 milligrams about an hour before working out on training days only, that was pretty effective at giving you a nice training boost without a lot of the negatives. But the key is you would use it only, let's say, on a maximum effort day or maybe yeah. once a month. It wasn't something you did at every single workout, so even that smaller dose. But the mistake a lot of people made is they took 25 to 50 milligrams three times a day. <laughs> and what I found with stuff like that, and I'm very sensitive to, to stimulants anyway. Like I like coffee, the taste of it, but I don't drink it because it just jacks me up a little bit too much. I'm just naturally pretty high energy. But with the, with the effort drain, I find that when I was taking it back in the day, I couldn't sit still. So you had all this energy, but it, yeah, wasn't, it wasn't useful energy. In other words, it didn't give me the ability to really focus on the task at hand. It you know, was it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't like my favorite brain drug, modifinal, which is something you have to get a prescription for, folks. So, I mean, it's, it's an awesome brain drug. I'm very disciplined with this stuff, though, so I use it every once in a while. You know I mean, so 30 tablets of modifinal will last me two years. So it's not like something I use every day. But when you travel and you're in different time zones and you wake up feeling like crap and you have that modifinol, bam, I mean, that makes a huge difference with your focus. But it doesn't give you the jitters or elevated heart rate or anything like that. You just notice you can focus way better. So, I mean, if people want to research it, it's modifinol. It's M-O-D-A-F-I-N-I-L. You can find all kinds of info, pro and con. Just realize that if it's something you want to take, go talk to your doctor about it. And yeah. maybe those, maybe you'll have a medical reason. That's how I took it. But anyway, that, that's an example of, of a nootropic that's actually very beneficial versus ephedrine, which kind of just poisons your mind. So you have all of this kind of fight or flight energy, <laughs> and that's basically what your brain believes is occurring. So every time you take ephedrine, 
your brain thinks you're basically in a life or death situation. You know, that's why your heart rate is going so high. Your brain only works on perception. It doesn't know what's actually going on. So you could be sitting on the couch watching the Flintstones, but if your your brain <laughs> the dinosaurs, the dinosaurs. <laughs> your brain your brain is gonna use is gonna rely on the messages it's getting. So if your heart rate's through the roof and you're in this kind of stressed out state, then you know your your cortisol is gonna come in to lower the inflammation, and there you go. So it's one of those things where if you dose it properly, yeah, it has some benefits. But the problem is, is that so few people have the discipline to do that. We have we're, we're such a more is better society that when people take a small dose, they'll they'll start thinking, man, what if I took five times the amount? And that's what I've had to really get people to, to think about with my testosterone booster because it's a bell curve with bulbine, where if you take more, it's actually counterproductive. But people people will take two caps a day and go, man, I feel great. What if I started taking three or four? And I was like, look, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, I can't emphasize it strongly enough that just take the right amount. You don't need more than that. Just just ride it out. Two caps a day is what most guys are going to do best on, and it's going to last longer if you stay at that. So don't take four and waste money because it's going to be counterproductive. But that, that's just kind of the society we're in is that we, we always think that more is going to be better, better. better yeah. no, no matter what. And plus, I mean, you know, you know, just going back to the Xenadrine, that just brings back memories. To <laughs> yeah. I used to love that supplement to the point where my friends yeah. called me Xenadrine. And <laughs> I would take it before workouts. Like, since right. I take it before I studied. And, and, you know, before long, you know, I never got to the point that, you know, as far as, like, the picture there in the Everglades. But, um, you know, for me, I started noticing it started interfering with my sleep cycles. And I think once that happens, once your sleep cycles get effed up, it's, yeah. it's all over. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. People don't realize how critical sleep is. I mean, I'm always amazed when I teach courses all around the world, and it's mainly trainers that come to the courses overseas. And you'll ask people, how many of you get a good seven, eight hours a night? And no one raises their hand. I know. It's amazing. People. And these are, people, <laughs> these are people who are supposed to be the embodiment of health and fitness. That's what people are coming to them for. I was like, you know, you need to live this lifestyle to teach other people how to do it. So don't tell your customers to get seven, eight hours of sleep, and you're, you're sleeping four because you want to waste more time on Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> you know, you're, you're trying to bang broad somewhere, so you're trying to hook it up on Facebook. You can use Facebook to build your business, or you can use it to cheat on your wife, but you can't do both, okay? So choose one. You know, use, I use it legitimately or use it illegitimately, but don't have the illusion that you can somehow do both. But, yeah, the, amazing, but, I mean, yeah, but the thing is about but yeah, but it's but there's nothing you can do that takes the place of sleep. There's no pill you can take. There's no supplement you can take. And the benefits of high-quality sleep, especially as you start getting older, are incredible. I mean, your, your growth hormone is surging. Your testosterone goes up. Your insulin sensitivity improves. Your body's restoring, rebuilding. So, I mean, it's, so when you're sleeping four hours a night and you're constantly taking stimulants all day, and then you're on the computer all night, and then you try to shut off, I think the problem with people is that there's way too much stimulation in the mind, and they don't know. Absolutely. You kind of have to go through a restoration phase. And what I mean by that is you have to have – those of us that are entrepreneurs, it's easy just to work all the time. You want to have cutoff phases where you go, okay, after 9 p.m., that's it. No more internet, no more cell phone, that's it. And not even TV because I don't want that to stimulate my mind. I'm going to read some books. I'm going to relax, do a meditation, whatever. So when you go to sleep, you're already in a relaxed state as opposed to working really hard and then just trying to shut it off right before you go to sleep. 
Exactly. You know, we t- and we talked about that, man. It's, just, it's so funny that um, when he, whenever we brought up, like, the meditation at the last workshop you and I did, you know, pr- right after the question of who gets seven or nine hours of sleep, everybody kind of gave us that Scooby-Doo look. It was like, Err? you know, so, and, my, and Mike and I was like, really? It's like, you guys got to understand, like, it's very sometimes important. People, sometimes people think it's a rhetorical question. Like, you exactly. Know, it's like, raise your hand if this, no one raised their hand. It's like, they're just too lazy to raise their hand. It's like, just raise your goddamn hand, okay? I'm not, it's not a rhetorical question. You know? You ever notice? <laughs> question is like, okay, folks, how many of you ever done this? And you just get this blank stare back at Cricket. you. Like, Cricket. Not a rhetorical question, folks. I want to know the answer. You know? <laughs> that happens. I'm like, no one wants to be the first one to answer. You know? <laughs> how many of you get seven to eight, nine hours of sleep? Me, me. You know? <laughs> and then, but then you, you, you boomerang them and you're like, oh, you get seven to nine hours of sleep? Okay, how much is that? It's quality sleep. Then they're like, once again, exactly. I'm like, I'm like can you tell me if you can go seven or nine hours without tossing and turning? Can you stay? Can you be in the exact same spot that you went to sleep in the next morning? And right. then they really give you that confused look, like, "What are you talking about? Who does that?" Uh, uh let me raise my hand first, okay? <laughs> so and, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure if I've done that. I've gone to sleep and woken up at the strip before. So I think... <laughs> <laughs> that's Vegas life, baby. Vegas life. I woke, I woke up at a gentleman's club one time. I have no idea how I got there. I never go to this, those places. Well, hey, Shame. <laughs> as, as, long as, you, as long as you didn't wake up at Chippendales, I guess you're all right, Mike. I will excuse that. <laughs> so. yeah, there's, another, there's another famous kettlebell instructor who woke up there a few times, but we, we, won't, we won't name him just yet. <laughs> but... Uh, Oh man, but yeah, that's 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 the thing about a lot of supplements is like Ken Ken made a really good point. When it starts messing up your sleep cycle, it's a battle of attrition, and you're gonna lose that battle. So the thing the thing about ephedrine is that when I was taking it, you had this illusion that oh, only four hours of sleep, who cares? I can I can crush it with this. You just had this mad energy all the time, but it wasn't real energy. You're just going into debt. It's like credit card debt. It's like you have a credit card and you go to the store. And you're like, oh, cool, big screen TV, it's fifteen hundred bucks. I'm just gonna put it on the credit card. And then you buy, you know, you and spend a couple thousand dollars there. You go to another store, spend five hundred dollars, and then the, the bill comes in, and you realize I don't have any money to pay this. I'll pay the minimum amount. And you do that every month for ten months, and guess what? Now you have serious debt. So it's kind of like that with stimulants. You're going into an energy deficit. So you take a lot of you take a lot of caffeinated beverages and things like ephedrine on Monday. And then you're tired on Tuesday from taking that. Now you take more. And then month after month, week after week, month after month, a year, that's when it piles up. And then you go into a severe energy debt where you try to get off all of this stuff, and you're going to be dead tired all the time for a long time. It's going to take a long time to restore from that. So once, once you really crash hard, it's not something where you just rest up on the weekend and you're ready to go on Monday. No, you have low energy for a long time. And I've been there. I've been through this. It's, it's the worst. You oh, know, so now you I know how. So you're saying I can't sleep in on Saturday, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's always a remedy for everything. Yeah, I'm just going to sleep in this weekend, man. Now, you know, I'll hit it back hard on Monday. I'll, I'll get it back. I'll get it <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, I'll be good. I'll be good, man. <laughs> oh, man. You know, what's interesting about the supplements, too, is I think, you know, now, like, you know, the, the consumers, the industry is way more intelligent. But, you know, back in the day of the, the Xenadrine and the hot stuff, there was this perception that you could literally live like shit, you could eat like shit, you could exist on Taco Bell, you could party all night. But as long as you were taking your supplements, you were good. Damn, dude, and, did you go to college with me? <laughs> did we know each other in a past life? You just, like, laid out my entire, like, freshman and sophomore year in college right there. <laughs> 
you're just like, hey, hey as, long as, as long as I'm taking this stuff, you know, I'm in good shape, you know, because at the time, you know, most of the marketing we saw from the supplements was via, you know, muscle and fitness, et cetera. And we all know right. that that over-the-top stuff was, hey, if you take this pill, you're going to look like this dude. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> remember, 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 cybergenics, Ken. We gotta break that one up. Oh man, cybergenics. That, that, that was that was the best, man. I remember all of us like uh, sophomore in high school. We saw those commercials, like the guy, like the skinny guy, gets in the chamber and he yeah. comes out. He's like cybergenics. He's all beefed out and all muscular. I was like, oh man, we gotta get cybergenics. The only reason I never took it because I couldn't afford it back then. I think it was like 150 exactly. bucks. You know, thank God I couldn't afford it. But I mean, I wanted to take it. I, I bought into that whole thing. You know, hook and sinker, man. I was like, man, if I ever make money, I'm getting on cybergenics. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was like when you saw, like, one of your buddies who had, like, cybergenics. You were, it was like seeing the buddy who drives the Ferrari. You're like, oh, man, that looks <laughs> like bastard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got a cybergenics T-shirt on. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> You got the hook oh, and they rub it in your face. And I had a friend of mine who was on Cybergenics, and he's like, yep, I'm on it. And I was just like, oh, dude, you could potentially be the coolest guy on the planet. You're on Cybergenics. <laughs> just me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the part that we never – the part that we overlooked is the fact that no no one got any progress. No one made any progress on it, man. The whole, hey, the whole stuff was like gamma orzenol and like these like vitamin B six or something like that you know it was nothing it was like 10 different bottles to make it look like you're getting a lot but when you looked at the actual ingredients it was it was snake oil to see the least there was nothing in there the the supplement industry was so funny back then because there wasn't anything remotely close to, to something actually being effective and i remember that i always liked the idea of taking something and you're better but there wasn't anything back then that actually did that Yes, you just oh yeah, it goes back to underdog. You know, underdog <laughs> takes a pill and he starts kicking ass, and it was the same thing with supplements. We were looking for the underdog pill, Absolutely. and I just dated myself by mentioning underdog. I know. <laughs> no, but you know, the first supplement, which was a game changer for me, the one where I'm like, wow, this actually works, was creatine monohydrate. When me, I first started, taking, you know, I took creatine way before it became very popular. This is back in 1993, 1994. I was in Lewis and Clark College. I was a sophomore in college. And I started taking – I did the loading phase they recommended. It was 20 grams, 5 grams, 4 times a day for a week. Yeah. By the end of that week, you felt like a million bucks in the gym, man. It's like rep – you could just rep out. Everything felt light. Stuff was incredible. Now, this is when I was really getting into a very strict vegetarian diet. So one of the reasons why I may have responded so well is because I'm not getting ample amounts of creatine in my diet, not eating any red meats or anything like that. But, I mean, I re- I, it was undeniable – the benefits of creatine back then. And I still take creatine now. And it's one of those things where if you cycle it off and then you bring it back in, you'll get some measurable progress. But back then, I think it was like the first time you ever took something, you just soaked it in. I mean, it was incredible. Oh, that was my experience too. I remember at the time, um, I think the first creatine supplement I took was phosphagen by EAS. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I remember taking that stuff and my bench went up, my squat went up, I was visibly bigger and I'm like, man, this stuff is incredible. And at that point, you know, like Bill Phillips had just really hit a home run and he could have even come out with a supplement called carcinogen and I would have taken it. <laughs> well, that that's and and I was seeing such good results, but the one downside is, and this is a true story, is that I was, you know, loving the phosphogen, but I don't know about you, Mike, but those early creatines produced some epic gas to the point where I shut off my carbon monoxide detector. True story. Yeah, it definitely caused some gut issues, and the, the way around that with creatine monohydrate is you take warm water and you put five grams in that and you stir it up. The warm water helps it dissolve better. 
so you don't have that gastric stress. And also, you want to get 100% pure. So German creatine that's made in Germany, for example, is called Crea Pure. It's a brand, and it's 100% creatine. So those two things help. Nowadays, also, we have buffered creatines, like crealkaline is really good, so you don't get any of that gastric stress. And then there's, there's a couple of few other buffered creatines that are pretty good. Yeah, but I, but I know what you mean, Ken, especially when you did the loading phase back then. It was like you were a danger in the gym. You're about to do another rep of squats, but you're thinking in your head, okay, I can do one more rep, but can I hold the fart in at the same time? <laughs> you know? that's, that's, oh, the debate, that's the debate you're having in your mind. Then you're thinking, like, well, maybe the fart will give me a little bit of propulsion at the bottom. <laughs> but it's funny how the two kind of worked against each other because you're like, okay, this creatine is making me huge. And, you know, and at that age especially, it's all about the girls. And you're like, okay, I'm looking better. I'm going to get the girls. But the problem <laughs> is I smell like a gargantuan turd because I can't stop farting. <laughs> well, you know, you know, the other problem, Ken, back then was how bad the protein powders were. I mean, yeah, people that was the next thing I was about to get into, man. The, the yeah, protein powders, because oh, put it like this, man. Some of the protein powders. Okay, while I was most of the time, like I said, what Kim was bringing up earlier about, like you know, we saw a lot of stuff in Muscle Fitness magazine. So naturally, being the boy here in Texas, you know, looking at the home, the home state hero here, Ronnie Coleman. Well, you know, from a lot of those protein powders that you know those guys are promoting, it ended up turning me into Ronnie Coleman. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? because, <laughs> because dude. <laughs> so I'm telling you, man, it's like. It was such crap with so many of those protein powders and beyond the gas. I'm just like, you couldn't, like, get a solid stool to save your life from a lot of those protein powders that came out <laughs> during that time, man. Yeah, they, were, they were bad, man. And you know what's funny is we looked at it as, like, a badge of honor. It's like, man, exactly. It, the, the fact that it tasted so bad, we're like, it's got to be doing something good. <laughs> you know? We're like, this stuff tastes horrible. It's got to be healthy. That's what we would think back then. And most of it was like really poor quality soy proteins. It wasn't even soy protein isolate. That wasn't even used back then. It was like a, an, an even more inferior metabolite of soy. And then it was like some really crappy dairy proteins. It wasn't even whey or a whey protein isolate or anything like that. But the stuff tasted horrible. And then Metrix came out. And Metrix kind of revolutionized the whole like a protein powder category or meal replacement. It was the first real meal replacement, as they call it. But it was essentially a protein powder with a multivitamin in it. That's essentially what it was. But what, what everyone liked about Metrix was that it actually tasted good. That was the first yeah. thing. And I, I remember it came in two different jars. They're trying to make it look really scientific, like a medical-grade food. Like the marketing for it back then was, Bill Phillips is like, yeah, I came across something called metrics, but you can't even get it in the stores. Only people, only doctors and hospitals use it to help <laughs> patients rebuild muscle after burn. <laughs> so it's like, That's oh, all man. we needed to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, if you guys, if you guys could only get your hands on metrics, we're like, oh God, I wish I could get metrics. And then of course, three months later, it's available through a mail order, and we, we I mean, you, you couldn't write the check fast enough. You know, you were like, man, metrics available. It's like you hit the lottery. And it came in two jars. It was like base and plus, and like you took a scoop of each one and you mixed it together. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know why they came Brilliant. in two jars. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But you know what's funny about metrics is that those of us who took it back then, we noticed that you just started leaning out. Yeah, you. You're did. like, man, this stuff's incredible. Oh, it is the protein powders. Like, why am I leaning out taking this? And then years later. The rumor is that it had clenbuterol in it, a fat loss drug that a lot of bodybuilders use. So not only not only can I say that I don't know if I've used steroids or not, I can't even <laughs> say that I don't know if, I've, if someone ever asked me, have you ever used clenbuterol? I don't know. 
I used metrics when it first came out, so that had a bureau in it. But I, I remember the testimonials they had for metrics were incredible. They had like Clint Eastwood talking no, about no. how incredible it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't just have like your average gym rat talking about how great metrics is. They had like real celebrities. And growing up when the three of us, we, uh, when the three of us did, Clint Eastwood is like God. So when Ultimate when Dirty when Dirty Harry is taking metrics, we're like, man, I want to get on that. <laughs> Dirty Harry's taking it. I gotta be on that shit. <laughs> and then you know you gotta catch like, and then you got like Ken and myself, big wrestling fans. You know, once I saw like Triple H was taking, I'm like, well, hell yeah. You know, if if if, if the game is taking metrics, then why the hell am I not taking it? You know. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was incredible. The marketing for a lot of those early supplements was incredible. Yes, it like was. Like Bill Bill Phillips had the whole supplement the transformation. No, it was a supplement review catalog. You paid five oh, yeah. bucks for shipping, that. right? So you, you sent him five bucks. He sent you the catalog for free. Now, when you read the catalog, did he give favorable reviews of his own supplements? Yes, he did. Yeah. But he did something that broke all the rules at that time. He actually plugged competitors. He mm -hmm. actually said, Twin Labs got good stuff. These other supplements are good. You know, my stuff is good, too. So it made you just want to trust him that much more. You're like, wow, right. what a cool guy. He's actually plugging the competition. Now, the real goal is not to plug the competition, of course, is to sell his products. But it made him very trustworthy, the fact that he would say good things about the competition. So you naturally wanted to buy his stuff. So when he came out with the first products like Phosphagen that Ken mentioned, I actually used a creatine that was made by a company even more obscure. Before that, it was called Hops or something like that. And then Phosphagen was like the first real company to get behind the product, to get behind the creatine product. Mm -hmm. So that was their flagship product, and they made a ton of money selling that. And then they came out with Myoplex meal replacement, which is basically just a metrics knockoff. And that was okay. But then they started coming out with just like once they realized they had an audience of people that would buy whatever they put out, that's when they started like that. That's when they fell into let's make a deal with the devil mode. And they started putting out anything they could put their label on. And this is a common mistake a lot of supplement companies make is they come out with one or two really good products and they get a crap load of people buying it. And then they start thinking, well, shit, if we can get these people, imagine if these guys started buying a few more things from us. Well, we don't have any other good ideas. Well, who cares? Let's just make some crappy products, you know? And it always, we have the consumer trust. And then by the time the consumer realizes they've been duped, you've already sold the company and moved on. So, I mean, so EAS started coming out with stuff, stuff like uh, they had this product called Neurogain or something like that, which had a hefty oh, yeah. dose of, had a hefty, a hefty dose of St. John's Ward which is exactly what you don't want as a pre-workout focused product. It's an antidepressant, yeah, right? Exactly. But it, yeah. it kind of gives you this, it kind of puts you into a numbed state. And that's not what you want right before a heavy set of squats or something or a hardcore workout. So it never made sense that that was even in it. It's like it had tyrosine in it, which is a good ingredient. And then it had St. John's wort, which nullifies the tyrosine. So it's like, what, who, it doesn't who, even who, sound good. I know. Besides <laughs> this product, then it was like a really poorly designed product. And then <clears throat> Biotest started coming out around the same time, and they made Power Drive, which is still a great product. It was a great mm -hmm. product then. It's a great product now. But it was like it was, it was like the, the neurotropic products you can get now. There's a lot of good options now over the counter. But back then it was. People had no clue what they were doing. They were putting together these combinations that didn't even make sense. Not even now, looking back, but even then, it just didn't make sense why this was even. It's like, why is this in it? This doesn't make any sense at all. So I mean, the supplement industry was always very funny is that it's going to be rare when you come across a really good product. So the temptation is, let's make more like this. 
And, but it may take a long time to find that. It may take five years before you come across another really good product. But you don't want to wait five years. So that's when you start putting your label on anything, and then that's when a supplement company starts going down. And, and I've seen this happen so many times where a company starts off with one or two really good products, and then they change the formulation, or all of a sudden they add a couple of new products that are garbage, and then people just get fed up. They're like, I'm tired of being duped by these companies coming out. And that, that reminds me of another supplement that came out when creatine was hot. Because what happened is creatine was hot, but anybody could sell it. So it's like, okay, 100% creatine monohydrate. It didn't matter if it was phosphogen or another company selling it as long as it was 100% creatine. So companies started getting creative with creatine formulations. And one that was really popular back then, and a couple of companies did this, is they would give you creatine with a crap load of sugar. So you would take 40 to 50 grams of sugar per serving of creatine, and then you would take it multiple times per day. So they're saying take it three times a day. So now you're getting 150 to 200 grams of sugar in addition to what you're eating normally. And what happened with this? People's faces start breaking out. I remember I was 25 and I had like 30 zits on my face. And I was like, I haven't had tea. I, haven't had, I, haven't, I was like, what's going on, man? I haven't had acne since I was like 16. And I, I didn't even make the connection. I was like, oh, it can't be this supplement. Then I thought about it. I was like, huh. You know, I'm very sensitive to sugar, especially refined sugar. So whenever I ate a lot of sugar, I would, I would break out. It's just like when I ate oily foods and so forth. So, I mean, I stopped taking these creatine products with the sugar. And then, sure enough, within a couple of weeks, it started clearing up. But what's even what's, – what's also bad about <laughs> it's also bad about. Isn't it funny that during that time, too, you're so defensive of your supplements to where I remember, like, <laughs> my dad going, you know, it's probably all this shit you're taking. And I'd be like, no, it's not it. This stuff is all legit. <laughs> He's like, don't talk about my supplements, man. It's not it. That stuff is helping me. You just don't want me to be better. <laughs> your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, let's just stop taking that stuff with 50 grams of sugar. You're like, shut up, bitch. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's so true, man. It's like, you're like, overly defensive of our supplements, like it's our little buddy. He's like, don't pick up my supplements. <laughs> but the other thing about creatines is, man, you're taking so much sugar. The whole notion was you spike insulin, and that allows you to drive more nutrition into the muscle cells, etc. Now, that all sounds good in theory, except when you think about that, there's actually a saturation model with how much your muscles can actually hold. And what I mean by that is, if I pour water on a plant, it's only going to take in what it needs. So if I pour one glass, and that's all it needs, and then I pour five or six more, guess what? It's not absorbing that. It's just going to be sitting there. So it's very similar with our bodies. Like when I eat a meal, and let's say I have some fruits and maybe a little bit of honey or so forth, so insulin is elevated. It drives all the nutrition where I want it to go, muscle, cells, liver. Anything left over is not going to be forced in there. It's going to go to stored body fat. So you can't force more in than it's going to be taken in. So once it's completely filled up, you can spike insulin all you want. All you're going to do is store a lot of excess body fat, and that's what started happening to those of us who took these products is, yeah, you felt stronger in the gym because you're on a sugar high and on a creatine sugar high. But then all of a sudden you're looking in the mirror and you're like, man, I got a gut. <laughs> you know, how did this happen? <laughs> it's like, well, I'm getting stronger. So uh, <laughs> it's like, man, people are like, man, you got the creatine gut. That was like a phrase back then. It's like, oh, you got the creatine gut. It's like, no, I don't have a creatine gut. I've got a sugar gut from drinking Five glasses of Kool-Aid with, with these <laughs> That's what it is, pretty much, Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's all it was. If, if you could have just bought Kool-Aid and creatine separately, that would have been cheaper and it would have been the same. <laughs> oh, man. 
But, you know, the whole funny thing about spiking insulin is this. Like, even if that whole theory works, why don't you have some fun food? You know, go have ice cream after a workout. <laughs> go have <laughs> why, why would you want to get all that sugar from some drink? It's like, well, well crap. If, if all the sugar after a workout is beneficial, I might as well go have some fun food with this. Yeah, go have a, have a margarita or something <laughs> you know, instead of drinking that crap. So, the, yeah, the, man. the other funny category of supplements, and this is more – like a modern day phenomenon, or just like erection enhancement pills. I'm talking about over the counter stuff. One point six two percent. Have you seen that commercial? <laughs> oh, I know that testosterone commercial. Yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of these over the counter erection products, and the only the only there's one that works called Amor V by uh, Nick Delgado, and it's not really like an ED product. It's more like a, a sex performance enhancement product, more blood flow. So it's like in other words, if you can't get an erection for whatever reason, it's not really gonna help you get an erection as far as I know from the, re the research, but it definitely improves sexual performance. And some people are like, well, why do I don't want to take a pill before sex. Why not? You're going to get a way better. You're going to get a way more intense experience and so forth. Like people who take my testosterone booster and so forth. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's, it's not, it's not whether you have to take it or not. Just that. Grover, are you trying to chime in here? Be quiet. Yeah. It's not one of those things. He's like, I take it all the time. Shut up. He's like, it's not one of those things where Grover's like, like, I need some. It's not like if you take something like that, it makes you less. It's something where you just want to have a more fun experience, like a pre-workout supplement. But anyway, that argument aside, most of these erection pills, the funny thing about them is that most of the time, they're actually Viagra or Cialis or some other kind of uh, prescription erection product, ED product that's put in the supplement, and it's, it's like a small enough dose, or they just throw it in there and don't put it on the label. So what happens is a lot of these companies sell the crap out of it because people buy it. They're like, man, this stuff works. It's like, yeah, it works because you're taking Viagra, and you don't even realize it. Yeah, but you know, him being a bunch of other things in there, so you think that's what's doing the benefit. And then what happens is these companies get pinched by the FDA at some point, and it's revealed, oh, we've got this in it. So then they reformulate it, and it doesn't work. Or they reformulate it under another company and try to start the process all over again because the fines are very – minimal compared to the money you're making. So in other words, mm -hmm. the first time it's a fine where you're like, okay, I'll just take that as a part of, of a cost of doing business. And then you get fined again. It's like, ah, eh, cost of doing business. I'm making millions selling this. Who cares about paying a $10,000 fine? And then finally it's like, all right, you got to, you got to take it out. We're going to, you can't sell this anymore. You have to reformulate it, et cetera. And then that's when people realize, okay, this stuff doesn't work. But then they just kind of jump to another, they, they just kind of create a new company and sell it that way. So that, that's one of the common scams out there. It's like when, when you see something being sold that's supposed to be an ED product at the, the local truck stop on a long drive across the country, that's, that's probably a bad sign. Yeah, not good. It's not a good sign that it's probably a good product there. So that, that's one of the other common scams right there. You see it all the time. There, there are definitely some things that kind of enhance the process, but there's, there's really nothing that – you know, some guys had ED for 10 years, which is, and it's, if it's a young guy, it's because it's always because of some kind of unresolved emotional issue. So that's something that you, have, you want to get some therapy to address rather than some health issue. But when it's some kind of health issue, it's rare that there's something over the counter that's going to give you the benefits you're looking for. So that, most, that category right there is pretty much a waste of time. That's another common scam category right away. If you optimize your hormones, you know, you get your testosterone in balance with your estrogen. Estrogen is not too low, not too high. 
you uh, improve your diet so you have better circulation and things like that, you know, your sex drive is going to come up naturally, your performance is going to come up naturally, and then you're good to go. So, I mean, you want to – when you have to take something like Viagra, it's usually a sign that there's a larger health issue that you should be worried about. Exactly. So it's like, it's like you're, not, you're not getting circulation to your extremities now, and so you're probably not getting adequate circulation to your heart and other areas. So it, it's usually a sign of, okay – Maybe there's too much stress in my life right now. Maybe I'm working too hard. I'm not sleeping enough. I'm working out hard on top of that. My diet is not as good as it used to be. Maybe those are some of the, the positive reasons right there. The other, the other, so you want to clean up those areas and have a, a long-run approach with the whole thing rather than saying, well, I'm, I'm getting older, so let me just take this pill. You know, when your hormones are optimal and your circulatory system is good, you shouldn't have to take anything whatsoever. So those just look at the root causes rather than just looking for some surface solution. And, you know, maybe the surface solution is okay while you're trying to get to those root causes because a lot, a lot, a lot of guys don't realize how dev- – I mean, not a lot of women, I should say, guys realize, but a lot of women don't realize how devastating ED is for men. You know, for, it, it, you just feel like your whole manhood is gone. And when I've gone through really bad periods of adrenal fatigue in my life where I nearly died of my lung getting filled with bacteria, I remember my sex drive was like zilch for months. I was worried that I was never going to come back. It was just like zero sex drive whatsoever, you know, zero function. You just felt horrible. And you, you can't feel your best as a guy when your sex drive is zilch and your function is zilch. It just kills your confidence because so much of our, our confidence comes from our, our, our sex drive, which is not just our drive to have sex, but it's our drive to succeed, our drive to be creative, our drive to take charge, to impress women, to make things happen. So it's like you're not going to – it's like you lose that spark of life is fun and life is exciting when your sex drive is gone. So like whenever a guy's like, oh, you know, who cares? I mean, and I've never even heard a guy say this, but let's say theoretically a guy's like, you know, I don't have a sex drive anymore, but it doesn't really matter. It's like, well, you're, you're just lying. You're lying to yourself. Yeah, and don't even bother lying to me because I know it's a bunch of BS, but you're lying to yourself. And you've forgotten what that feeling is because when you start optimizing your hormones, and all of a sudden, man – my sex drive is back right. up. Sex function is good. My energy is great. You feel like a million bucks, man. You don't, you don't even have the temptation to go do stuff that's like go get drunk on a Friday night or do things that's going to take you out of that health zone because you feel so good all the time. Man, I don't think what I it's sad, too, is that I think a lot of guys don't even want to talk about that. And, you know, you see the guys, I think a lot of guys who that happens to and their sex drive goes down and they suffer from ED – you know, like we talked about earlier, they just define it as, well, I, I guess this is just the way it is, and they never investigate any further. And it's just, you know, due to our culture, it's just not something you talk about. But right. had they talk about it, had they do research, or if they go to, like, your website, Mike, they would realize, you know, this isn't an end point. You know, this is something that can be addressed, it can be fixed, and, you know, I can get back to the way I was. But, you know, it's really unfortunate and sad that, you know, a lot of men, they're just like, it's, well, it's over then. You know, I guess I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to, I'm going to quit. Yeah, and, yeah, and exactly. the thing is, you gotta you gotta look at the thing is your body. It's not it's like I said, it's not the end of it. It's your body just sending you a signal like, hey, something's not right. Let's fix it. Let's find out what it is and let's fix it. Let's not try to gloss over it. And just like, well, well, I guess you know I'm getting older, so no more. You know, I it's just, this is normal. This this happens, and then it doesn't help. When a lot of ladies out there like, it's okay, honey. It happens. 
Don't, no, don't, <laughs> don't encourage them. Okay? Yeah, that, that's even worse than like that. that that's, that's even worse than like the ED is that because you know in like you know in her mind she's like man she's like, I really she's like I really wanted to have sex tonight and this guy can't perform. You know in her mind she's like loser. I need to go call up somebody else right now. You know that's what's going through her head. So that stuff never makes you feel better. <laughs> you know it's like I'm a, she's like I'm expecting a, a great night and here I am hanging out with hang time over here. <laughs> 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 Larry the limp over here, but you know what? Let me not hurt his feelings. I hope ready. They're all crushed. So it's okay, honey. It happens. Okay, here's my question. To who? Okay. Who else yeah. who, who else have you been with that this is happening to? So then there may be a there may be a little common denominator going on. <laughs> like it doesn't happen to it doesn't happen to Johnny all the time, but oh never mind. <laughs> Only happens to him once a month instead of every time, like you and all this yeah. No, but a lot of guys just live – like, they just suffer in silence, like this this whole notion of men with lives of quiet desperation. It's kind of like that whole thing. It's where you, you just you just try to put on an act of, I'm just going to act like I still used to be that guy. So you tend to overcompensate. We see this with guys all the time. You know, one of the stereotypes with high testosterone is you start becoming a dick. Like, you're, you want to go get into fights, and you're a prick to people, and you're just a total jerk-off. That is so far from the truth. It's not even funny, man. When your testosterone is high and your estrogen's in the right ratio, the ratio is important. You feel like a million bucks, man. If anything, it makes you more compassionate. I find that I'm way more attuned to like people suffering around me. And what I mean by that is just little things like there's, there's an older couple trying to get all their bags of groceries and stuff and, and whatever they bought at Target to the car, and they were struggling, and people are just walking by, and these two are having a really hard time. And I immediately saw it without thinking of it. And it, I probably would have been one of those guys myself that just walks by, doesn't even think about it. But I immediately saw this, and I was like, you know, I can take five seconds out of my day to help these people out. But the guy, the guy thanked me like it was such a big, like, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate this and that. And I was like, man, it's, it's, not, it's not even a big deal at all. But it, it's like so rare now to just have these acts of compassion. Yeah, how but crazy when, is that? You know? But when you feel good, when your testosterone is high, your confidence is really good. And when your confidence is good, it's kind of like you, you, want, you want other people to feel good, too. It's kind of like that feeling. So, like, when, when, when my testosterone is optimal, which pretty much always is these days, I feel good. But, like, let's say when I take something like my testosterone booster where it goes even higher, it doesn't make me become a prick or, like, uh, like you know, lose my temper easily. If anything, it's the opposite. Like, you, you find that you kind of laugh off stuff. Like, Ken, Ken can relate to this. When, when you do a lot of international travel – you know, flights get canceled all the time. You know, the, 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 these setbacks happen all the time. And a lot of times when they happen now, it's like I kind of laugh to myself. I was like, oh, well, because I'm stuck here for a little bit. And then you just get some work done. And, yeah, it's kind of an inconvenience. But, you know, years ago, I would have been like, fuck, damn it, man, screw it. You know, you get all pissed off and all that so forth. <laughs> so it's like when you see someone really losing their temper over stupid stuff, that's not a high testosterone guy. That's probably no. a guy who has way too much estrogen. Because when you exactly. have way too much estrogen and not enough testosterone – that basically makes you psychotic. You start just becoming this nut, and you're, that's the kind of guy that goes out there trying to pick fights and being a bully because now you're trying to overcompensate. You're trying like, you know what? I don't really feel like much of a man, so I'm going to go out there and get into a fight. That'll make me feel like a man. So, you know, yeah, he's, a, he's an asshole you see at the bar during the UFC fight, and then he's the one that knows every move, and then he's ready to start a fight during he's every pay-per-view. He's telling you everything that the guy in the ring should be doing. Like one of those. That's kind of low testosterone right there. <laughs> that guy yeah, that, that person right there is the poster boy for low testosterone. That's the, 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 the armchair uh, UFC commentator. Absolutely. You're on your eighth Bud Light, and you're trying to tell the guy in the ring, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Come on, arm 
Walmart next time. Fuck, man. He's got so big, he hasn't seen his dick in 10 years, and he thinks he comes back. <laughs> what to do, man? But, you know, it's, 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 misconceptions about optimal testosterone are – it's so funny, man, because it, it's the exact opposite of what people think. Whenever someone has their little temper tantrum, oh, he's got too much testosterone. It's like, no, he doesn't have enough. That's the problem. <laughs> or the ratio between testosterone and estrogen is there because, I mean, it's – like I said, when you feel good, you're naturally more compassionate, man, because you have yourself together. So now, now you kind of want to help out other people with not either simple things or larger ideas and so forth. We see it with successful people. What do successful people do when they've made a ton of money? Eventually, they start running charities because how much more money can you make? You've already done it all. You've already bought 10 yachts and 20 houses and so forth. Now it's, so now you start thinking, well, well man, you know, I've hundreds of millions of dollars. I could actually do some real good with this. So we see that happen quite a bit is that eventually when you've gotten all that success down from having the high drive, you start wanting to become more compassionate. But it can happen along the way, too. So, absolutely. Oh, I got one more supplement for you guys, man. And I know I'll Mike. Throw it out there. I know. I know Mike can really yeah. talk about this. ZMA. Yeah. Man. I mean, you know, I feel for the whole. You know, you take. You know, take ZMA first of all. You're gonna get your magnesium. You're gonna have better sleep. You know, especially when you're coming off that Zenadrine high. That sounded great right around that time. Like, yeah, I'm notice I'm only getting four hours of sleep. So ZMA is gonna still help me. It's gonna help me. You know. Pack up, you know, get leaner, but at the same time, I can actually get some sleep now. Awesome. So, and I'm getting zinc, magnesium. Okay, that's even better. I love it, man. So, that was like another big dupe from back in the day. Probably like, it, it probably had like its best run, probably like in the late 90s. You know, you saw ZMA everywhere, man. It's just, that's, well, it's here's just the thing about, here's the thing about ZMA. I mean, I, I actually like ZMA in the sense that it did help with that deep sleep, no question. In fact, some, sometimes I take it on the road where I can't check in a bottle of magnesium oil. I, I have these smaller ones for travel packs now, but sometimes I just take a carry-on, and the magnesium oil I have is too big to travel with. I have a, small, I have a smaller container now that I pour it into that, and I'm going to come out with that to sell for other people to travel soon. But anyway, sometimes I've taken even, – even in the recent past, I've taken ZMA with me on the road. I do find that it def, definitely puts me into a deep sleep state, and the vivid dreams I've had from taking ZMA are crazy. I had a dream one time that – I was like a member of special forces, and we're hunting down Ricardo Montalban's character, Tom. You know? like, That's awesome. We got, yeah, these dreams were like, you, you couldn't wait to go to sleep, man. The dreams were like ridiculously vivid. Some of those dreams you'd wake up from, you're like, oh, man, why did I have to wake up from that? You want to go right back in. No, let, let's not gloss over you were looking for Ricardo Montalban. That must have been some graphic <laughs> okay, throwback. What is yeah, that? Now, hold on. We've got to talk about the generations listening to this show right now. For people our age, that was Khan, you know, from Star Trek. For people well, a little was, younger, that was the grandfather from Spy Kids. Khan is <laughs> in the new Star Trek movie, and he sucks balls oh. in the new Star Trek movie, okay? The bad guy in the new Star Trek movie is Khan, lame, man, not even close to Star Trek 2. Ricardo Montalban's character, he killed it as Khan. He was awesome. But anyway, that, that segue aside, ZMA really... Let's not forget about Fantasy Island. That was a strong piece of work. <laughs> well, basically, but he was a pimp then. He was a straight pimp on the island back then, man. <laughs> straight up. Oh, yeah, he had a little dude helping him out. Man, that, yeah. In an all-white suit? That's a pimp. <laughs> what an accent Welcome to Fantasy Island Now speaking of the white suit i got to bring this up This is probably a good time 
Do you guys remember, like, especially when I used to take, like, those Joe Walker anabolic mega packs in the morning? Oh, that yeah. stuff would make your urine look like you were part of, like, a radioactive disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and I still remember one time, and this is kind of an infamous story amongst my Fenton crew, is I remember I was in middle school, and it was also at the time where Miami Vice was pretty cool. So, you know, I made the the mistake uh, combination of anabolic mega pack in the morning, Don Johnson white pants on my way to school. Oh. So, you know, you know, between classes, you know, go to the urinal and just wasn't thorough enough for the follow-up shakes. And then I'm kind of walking down the hallway. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yep, this is it. I've really hit my peak. You know, if I can just get cybergenics, life will be complete. And, and then one of my buddies goes, dude, he goes, look down. And I had like a perfect yellow circle that was this like neon yellow on my white Miami Vice pants. And so at that point I was like, shit, what do I do? And it was like, it was a real, it was, a, it was like, oh my, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. So, you know, phone call the dad, bring the backup white pants, and then I'm back in business. I mean, you coming out of the bathroom, you got like in the air tonight playing in, the, in your head as you're walking down the hall. You got the field call, the breakdown with the drums going, thinking you're all cool. And here you are coming out looking like spotty too hottie right there, man. That's even worse than like uh, the the girl the girl with tight white pants at yoga. Oh, I know this. Who has going. who has hair sticking out and nowhere coming. Oh. All I can say is here's a free pass Here with a pretty kitty in town, lady. Get that taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no podcast is complete without a little little snatch humor here and there. Yeah, kettlebell snatch. <laughs> no, but supp- supplements back then were so fun. There was another one called I think it was called Muscle Provider or something like that, and it came in this clear bottle. It was like this yellowish liquid. For all we know, it was somebody's urine, man. I mean, <laughs> who the hell knows what was in this stuff? Yeah. It was like some power lifter who said, "Take this," and it was one of those things, kind of like hot stuff. Like the first time you took it, you're like, "Wow." You know, the workouts are great. And then you run out of that bottle and you buy another one, you get nothing out of it. So that whole bait and switch was so common back then where you first time you buy something, it's because it has some kind of anabolic in it or some kind of performance aid that, that's illegal to sell over the counter. But because it's a supplement where it's a totally unregulated industry, you can get away with it until it really starts selling. And then all of a sudden it really starts selling and they realize, let's, let's take it out of here before we get scrutinized further. It still happens to this day. One of the, you know, it's funny. It's funny. Like in the early 2000s, steroids were basically legal for a while. In in uh, one man. Well, uh, pro pro hormones, <laughs> pro hormones like all the andros, androstenedol, yeah. different derivatives. These are all basically mild steroids, and some of them were very effective in terms of increasing strength. But then you would have broken dick syndrome for like two months afterwards. You know, I took I took one from uh, Biotest. It was called what was it called? Uh, Magnum or uh, what was it called? It started with an M. But, uh, I mean, it, it, you definitely noticed a big increase in strength. There was, there was no doubt about that. And you, you cycled it for like two weeks on, four weeks off or something like that. But for, during that four-week time period, you basically had broken dick syndrome where you couldn't get an erection to save your life. You could have you been, in, been invited to the Playboy Mansion and been tackled in a game of flag football, okay, by all the girls taking it out there. And you would have been like, uh, can you, could you ladies please get off me now? You know? I mean, that, that stuff was crazy man and it's it was amazing where like steroids were basically legal but it was it wasn't it wasn't stuff where anyone really even knew how to use this stuff it was like let's we're all just guinea pigs so it was something well, where, guys, uh, go ahead Ken. oh no i was gonna say that just kind of reminds me too at that point do you remember a supplement called ultimate orange 
and it was basically a stimulant. It was a pre-workout yeah. thing, and it even said on the bottle, it said, if you're an Olympic athlete, don't use this because, you know, you'll, <laughs> yeah. fail, you'll fail the test, which made me, of course, want it more. I'm like, well, this exactly. has got to be the shit, and they're selling it, so it's... <laughs> Dude, I was at my parents' house last year teaching, and I went through the closet just cleaning out some of my junk there. I came across a container of Ultimate Orange. And for a split second, I actually got excited. So I thought there might still be some powder in it. It was empty. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it, it well, that empty. stuff was crazy. That made amphetamines <laughs> look like chamomile. Dude, that stuff was ridiculous. It had epidrine in it, but it had other stuff in it. And it was made by a guy named Dan Duchesne, who was a notorious steroid expert. So who knows what was in that? It was, but it was another one of those things where, like, yeah, the first couple times you used it, it was incredible. And then all of a sudden, you didn't notice jack from it. But the marketing was funny as shit for it. The marketing would be like, man, my bench press went from 225 to 310 in one workout, you know? And we'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> Instead of saying, yeah, right, we'd be like, man, where do we buy this stuff? I can't wait to get all that stuff. What's funny is, like, if I even go, like, right now, I just Google it again just to see if it's still around. You still have people giving these great stories. It's like, dude, I remember taking this back in the early 90s. Wow. I would be, like, playing basketball, and I would be flying for hours. Like, really, Michael Jordan? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Flying in your own mind. You know? Exactly. <laughs> He's probably playing on the kitty goal anyway. So, yeah, of course you're slam dunking on a five-foot goal, bro. <laughs> Seriously. You know, I, I never noticed actually improved workouts from things like Epitrin. It gave you the feeling that you should have had an improved workout, meaning that you would walk in the gym like where you, you couldn't even you, – you're just your head, you couldn't wait to get to the gym. You're ready to plow through a wall to get to the gym. But yeah. you were so jittery that you couldn't focus on the task at hand. So, yeah. I mean, you're, so it's like you're doing a set, but you have, like, this nervous energy, which takes away from your focus. So it's kind of like exactly. you're in a heightened anxiety state. Basically, so it's like yeah. you have this energy, but it's not good energy where, like, you want to go do something fun. Like, you feel good, <laughs> you want to go hiking or something. No. It's an energy where it's like you, you have to go do something because you can't sit still, but the workouts are not productive. And forget about cardio. You try going running on that stuff, and you're going <laughs> to you run hey, 50 yards. You run 50 yards, you've got dry mouth already. You know, your, your heart is pounding. <laughs> that's yeah, basically, that's... man, that stuff was just legal crack. It was legal crack back then. So before there was Tyrone Biggums on the Dave Chappelle show, there was Denadrine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Denadrine was marketed extremely well. because oh, really? Without... You've got the hot chick with the big fake boobs on the exactly. beach with the, with the ripped guy, and they're running together playing football on the beach. And she's like, and I did it for eight weeks, and look at my body. And you well, like, it, was, it was all the girls we loved watching on ESPN. Remember those shows on ESPN? <laughs> those like, those like uh, Body by Kiana, stuff like or, that. Or, yeah, yeah, Kiana Tom, and then they're like um, all the chicks that would like help out, like um, yeah, Monica Galat. Brandt, Galat. Monica Brandt was on it many times. Monica Brandt was on it many times. Yeah. Uh, Leanne Tweedin, who's a now, – now exactly. she's a – Leanne Tweedin works – yeah, she works for one she's of the – Yeah, she's yeah. on the other part. Yeah. yeah, so there were, there were a lot of really good like, – I mean, none of us watched it for the workouts. We watched it no, because we wanted Gal- to see a bunch of – we were watching for Galad, man. We were looking for the chicks. <laughs> Even Corey Everson back then looked really oh, good. Oh, man, Corey so, Everson. Wow. And this is like when she was 45 or so. She still looked great. Still hot. Yeah. Yeah, man. But but the, those shows were hilarious, man, because <laughs> it, was, it was on ESPN like at 10 in the morning. And it was, it was like you were watching people just working out. It wasn't even like a follow-along workout or anything. But uh, the appeal was obvious. It was like Keanu Tom in a bikini or something like that. It's like, okay, I can get into this. That's why I sure do another set of curls and had some Romanian deadlifts. This is great. I mean, but, funny, uh, yeah, you, you, had to, you had to give it up for, like, Galad, man. Galad was like the, the Hugh well, Hefner of the fitness world because my mom, my mom was in Hawaii. Yeah, she's in Hawaii. Was, she's hot chicks. And, guess, and, yeah, you know something's wrong with your mom. 
Listen, she gets up in the morning just to watch Galad work out. So you're watching it together. Your mom's watching him, and you're watching all the chicks that work out with him. <laughs> this is not the best family bonding moment that you can come up with right now. Yeah, my mom used to do that. I'd get home from school every day, and my mom's doing the Galad workout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I even bought her, like, a, a, a five-piece uh, set for Yeah, VHS. Yeah, VHS. yeah, yeah, it was VHS. <laughs> I think he, re, he re-released some of his stuff on DVD, and I bought the whole set for my mom right, right away. <laughs> She loved that stuff. She liked the whole Hawaii scenic background and all that. Exactly. So yeah, it, it was very clever, like you said, sincere, because it's like that older generation watched it for him, charismatic guy jumping around in, in Hawaii, and then there were like five hot girls behind him for the rest of us. You know? so, like, did we ever do the workouts? Hell no. But, no. <laughs> we would check she's that doing, stuff out. He's doing kickbacks with 10-pound dumbbells. No, I'm not doing it for the workout. Look at that chick right there about to <laughs> pop out of that onesie. You know, this is before Baywatch, okay? So they actually made the one piece actually hot. <laughs> but the fitness industry was so funny back then, man, because supplements were such a joke. You know, now now there's actually a lot of legitimate supplements that are good. You know, I would have loved to have been that age now with the supplements that are available because now it's, now there's stuff that's actually useful and you can personalize it to whatever your goal is and get yeah. some real benefits out of stuff. So it's pretty cool. But back then it was like no one knew what the hell they were doing. There was no real <laughs> research on what's effective because nothing really was. There wasn't really any smart people that were involved that were researching stuff and coming up with combinations that made sense. I remember there was one supplement called OKG, and OKG was something that was used intravenously with burn victims. So like someone got burned, they would give them OKG, and it helped with the anti-catabolic side effects of the burn and so forth. So it would help them recover and so forth. So, of course, someone had the smart idea of saying, well, hell, let's sell this to a bunch of bodybuilders. So you put it in a powder form. Never worked, no matter how much you took. It's like, oh, you need to take 20 grams. I'm like, oh, that's convenient. And it, the stuff was expensive, too. And like Ken's talking about with the early creatines, you want to talk about gastric distress. I mean, you, you took 10 grams of OKG, you were running to the bathroom. Now, and you, you didn't have a mild case of diarrhea. You had like severe, <laughs> severe case of diarrhea, which means you didn't absorb any of that stuff. But it was one of those things where like nobody would really test anything. It was like you would just hear something in some other context. Oh, uh, HMB works over here with these people. Wow, man, let's put that into capsules and get people to take that. I bet that'll work. And of course, it never really panned out. But, but right. nowadays, is that the, the things have panned out, and there's more smart people looking. And, and most of the stuff out there is garbage, let's be honest. We could walk into any GNC or vitamin shop right now, and the majority of stuff is garbage. But there's going to be 3 to 5% of stuff, which is actually useful, depending on what cycle, what phase of your training you're in, with your training right. program, what your goals are, et cetera. But, uh, yeah. Now, speak, so, if you don't mind, sorry, sorry to interrupt, guys. Uh, speaking of training, i got to head on into a class. So, um, okay. We can wrap up but now. Thanks, but thanks a ton for having me, and I just had a blast catching up with you guys. Yeah, man, it's great, Ken. Cool. And just to give you a real plug, a plug real quick, Ken teaches certifications all around the country and some overseas, and so does Steve Cotter, a good friend of ours, <laughs> via the IKFF.net. Definitely check out IKFF.net for their schedule. It is the only kettlebell certification that I endorse and recommend. It's incredible people that are involved with it. I've worked at a lot of gyms around the world, which are run by IKFF people, super high-quality men and women. Ken and Steve do a fantastic job. I know Sincere is heavily involved with them. I don't make any money whatsoever recommending them, so I'm not doing this because I have an affiliate link that I'm trying to plug. No, I just believe in what they're doing. They're good friends of mine. They do a great job, so definitely check that out. 
Ken, thanks a lot for coming on, man. We'll, we'll definitely lot, have you again if you have some free time, but always a pleasure oh, to have you on. Thanks for everything, Mike, and uh, thanks for having me sincere. And uh, I tell you what, I think I speak for a lot of people in saying that you guys, uh, this podcast has been a long time coming, and you guys are putting out some awesome information and uh, looking forward to more. Yo, next time, Ken, we have you on, we've got to talk about AFS because a lot of people are trying to <laughs> – a lot of people are curious how to cycle into it. I mean, I, I basically tell people they just have to suck it up. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to apply periodization there. That's just not something you can launch face first into. Yeah, it's kind of like you start off with one <laughs> AFS session per week and, and you know, maybe even just like one repetition just to get used to it. And then you kind of pan. Well, anyway, we'll have you on the show. Again. Grease the groove, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, Thanks man. Thanks buddy. Give All right, take care, guys. Right, take it easy, brother. Bye-bye. That's Ken Blackburn, our good friend. Ken, Ken's a super guy. He's a funny guy. He's an incredible athlete, good coach. Definitely check him out on YouTube. He and his son, Mitch, have done a series of instructional clips for a nutrition supplement company called On It. Really good stuff by Mitch and Ken. So definitely check that out on, on YouTube. Just more high-quality free info. So, I mean, it's, it's very generous of Ken to put out that info. We like to put out good free info as well. So definitely check it out. Support him. See what you think of his stuff. Definitely. But uh, also, oh, uh, before we end today, sincere, I just got to tell you a funny UFC story. This past weekend, there was a, a really good UFC event, actually. I, I really enjoyed the Dos Santos versus Hunt fight. That was awesome. Yeah, man. Dos Santos, what a stud he is, man. I can't Did you see the after pictures of Mark Hunt, dude? Oh, man. Oh. I, I, I was shocked that Dos Santos just was that. so superior in striking. <laughs> Oh, he, yeah. he's back and ready to crush, man. He made a statement. It's very, it's very funny because Kane made a very similar statement when he fought Silva last time to get yeah. a rematch for the title, and Dos Santos did the same thing. That yeah. third round, he could have easily just let it ride and get a nice decision. No, he wanted nah. to finish this dude. That spinning kick was awesome, man. He wanted to finish That's two him. Weeks in a row. That's two weeks in a row where yeah, super brilliant have done that spinning kick, man, and have never done it before, and they decided to test it out, and both – one decides about knocking their opponent out with something they just tried out. And these are dudes who've been doing this for a while, and they pretty much they continue to surprise you by bringing new things in, into their arsenal. You're like, who would have ever thought to see Junior Dos Santos do that? You know? <laughs> and, and, and with Mark Hunt, a, a K-1 you know, champ here, and, and put him down with that. So that's, that's pretty awesome, man. It was, it was awesome. Well, what's funny is I was having breakfast the day of the event, Saturday mm-hmm. morning at the Four Seasons Hotel, they have a, a great breakfast buffet there. It's awesome. A lot of fresh fruit, vegetables, uh, different meats. Yeah, it's in Vegas. Next time you're out here, we'll check it out, man. It's awesome. awesome. But anyway, I'm enjoying a meal, and all of a sudden, there's Cain Velasquez with his wife. So I, I never bother people when I see famous people at all. So I saw them over there. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. It's kind of cool right. and exciting. And then, and then you know, I went to the buffet to get some stuff, and Cain Velasquez walked right by. So I, I saw him as he was walking right by. And I, just as he's about to pass me, I just say, hey, man. Best of luck with the fight tonight. Good luck with the fight tonight. And he just looked at me and said, thanks a lot. And, you know, kept going. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So right. that was cool. I was, like, I was like, seems like a cool guy, man. He's, he's very mm-hmm. – he seems – he's very low-key, but he's very calm, ready to fight tonight. But what's mm-hmm. funny is before I saw him that day, I was actually thinking of going to the bookies to bet on Silva as the underdog. Right. Because he was a 4-1 to one underdog. But after seeing him in person and saying good luck to him, I felt like I would be such a douche <laughs> if, I to, if I went to the bookie right after and bet against him. I was like, man, I feel like a total jack-off now if I go bet against him. So I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Thank God I ran into him, man, because I would have lost handily oh. because I think, <laughs> yeah. I, think the, I think the stoppage was a little bit premature, but I don't think that Silva would have recovered. No, I don't it. think so. I, I, I think, think so. if they let it go, it would, it would have just been more damage, and that would have been the end of that. 
Yeah, yeah, man, that was that was a really good fight. And you know, I, I had some people, you know, of course, you know, when people chime in, like I'll post some little things on Facebook as I'm on, on my phone during the fight, so I don't really, I don't want to go on there. And plus, I'm not the, the douche that likes to get on Facebook and act like I'm Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg and try to commentate through every fight because right. there's some people who are going to wait for a while. So I always try to leave some type of mystery and not be direct or whatever. But then you always have some people who are like, oh. I'm sick, you know, it's like, oh, that, how boring was that? It was early stuff, it was just BS. I'm, I'm so tired of these pay-per-views, blah, blah, blah. They're always complaining, man. But I'm just like, for true, a true fight fan that's educated, you know, and these are the people, these are not the people that you're going to hear during a pay-per-view. Like, let's just say you've got this mental ground game going on, you know. So, yeah, there's not a lot of action to the person that's not educated on fighting. You know, you see these guys, you know, they're grappling, and they're trying to just one-up each other and, and, and trying to – get out of the guard, reposition themselves, do what they have to do, and try to, they're trying to finagle a way to put someone into, you know, a submission hold or something like that. Okay, so like I said, to the untrained eye, you're like, oh, this is boring. They're just laying on top of each other. Oh, you know, they're like these two men on top of each other. How bad is that? You know, so those are the people who kind of get on my freaking nerves. And then they'll start booing. I'm like, will you please shut the hell up? <laughs> you know, so all these fair weather fans, you know, so – when, when you, I just get really tired of everybody, like every pay-per-view, someone's got something to say unless it's a knockout fest. And I'm like, okay, if you're looking for people to get knocked out, well, go watch boxing. Oh, I'm sorry. They don't do that in boxing anymore. My bad. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's like right. they can't ever be pleased. But these are also the people who are all, like you were talking about earlier, these are the ones with the low testosterone, and they're all like, yeah, I would have done this, I would have done that, I would have done that. And you're doing exactly what you would have done. You're talking. <laughs> you're talking. They probably never stepped foot in a cage. They probably never been been on a mat. They probably never been punched in the face. Trust me. They, 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 the... they never have because if they had, they wouldn't you be talking no... like that. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be you sitting get... in the. If you've even been in a street fight, you're not going to talk like that because you know you know that there's so many elements out of your control and and just like the heat of the moment. I mean, if you if you've ever been into any kind of confrontation ever, you know that you're not going to make these dumb comments <laughs> while you're watching a fight. Exactly. So it's just, and it's easy to sit on your couch, completely relaxed, watching it on your big screen TV, and think about I what the person should be doing. It's a lot, it's a lot harder when you're actually in the fight, getting punched at, and some guys trying to take your head off. It's a lot easier to think of every single maneuver while it's mm-hmm. happening. You know, so exactly, man. Professional That's... athletes make it look easy. So when you watch professional athletes, you think, oh, I could probably do that. No, you couldn't. No, you can't. You couldn't do that. <laughs> so many they don't even have the illusions. Yeah. Well, so go take kids. a class somewhere. You'll realize real fast, just the footwork, you're going to be like, oh, this, is, oh, this actually takes some effort. <laughs> yeah, in the first three-minute round that you do at, you know, at a gym, you're like, you're tired. Like, okay, just give me, give me some time to rest. No, you have one minute. No, yeah, I need you, a little bit more. I need no more time. At. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do pad work. You're not even getting punched at. Like, I did pad work. I took a Muay Thai class one time. It was awesome. I loved it. I took a couple of private it. sessions. Did a lot of kicking, some pad work. I mean, I was – beat man by the end of that 45 minute to an hour session i was beat yeah. great workout though but he wasn't even throwing punches at me now imagine no. if he threw punches at me i would have been beyond <laughs> beat you know? yeah he probably would have hit me every time man i didn't know i didn't have any clue what i was doing i would have been tagged every single time he threw a punch yeah. so i mean stuff professionals make stuff look easy I, I used to have people come to my workshops when i first started teaching and i remember i had one guy who took the course and right afterwards he's like hey you did a great job but after seeing you up there I know I can do the same thing and be just as successful. <laughs> well, guess what? I don't even remember this guy's name because he never went on to do anything. Professionals <laughs> make it look easy, man. You know, I've, I've done seminars for 11 years. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm the best in the world at it, but I've been doing it for a long time where it's second nature now. So you can't look at someone who's been, who's been doing this for a long time and is constantly working on improving his craft. I don't just repeat what I did eight years ago 
and then right. and then be in the audience where you don't have to talk at all. You're just sitting there viewing and say, oh, I bet I could do that too. It's like, yeah, of course you think you can do that because I make it look easy. Just like anyone who's good at anything they do makes it look easy. <laughs> you know? yeah. Michael Jordan made it look easy, but you know, how many, how many have been able to repeat just even 10% of what Michael Jordan has done? You can probably name two people. There's Kobe and there's LeBron, but they still are not quite where Michael was at his time. You know, just like, you know, you got, some, okay, people talk about Mayweather and all those guys, but you got Mike Tyson, and then the conversation ends. And the only time you can bring up another conversation is when you talk about somebody like Sugar Ray Robinson, or you talk about Muhammad Ali, you know, or Jack Johnson, and then there you go, conversation's over. So out of all of these fighters in boxing, you know, there are like a minute few that their names always come up because they made it look effortless, but they put in so much work. Okay, so they put in a lot of work. And even if a fight is boring, even if a boxing match is boring, but you, you still can't boo because these guys put in a lot of work. I mean, you can't even really – I have it sometimes I have it where I have um, clients when the first time they come to me, and let's just say for warm-up. I say, go ahead and grab a jump rope and let's warm up. And, all right, well, how many am I going to do? You're going to do three minutes on, you're going to get one minute off, and we're going to do that for three rounds. Right. What, what, what? And, and they're dying after the first minute just for skipping rope. I'm just right. like, it's just a jump rope. It's probably, it weighs maybe two ounces, and it's defeating you, okay? So, and these guys, they're sitting there skipping rope. I mean, that's, that's the fun part of training for them, you know, for the most part. And they're doing it for way longer than, let's say, a total of nine minutes. Come on, man. So, don't, don't sit there and judge when you have not even stepped foot in there once or even twice. And if you've really been with someone on a higher level, now if you go in there with another douchebag that's coming from the stands and you're both in there trying to, like, spar each other, then, yeah, you know, hopefully one of you cancel yourselves out. <laughs> so, of course, it's really hard to right. appreciate that. But getting in with some high-level guys, man, and even some medium-level guys, you're going to have a different appreciation. All it takes is one punch to the face to make you realize, like, you know, those guys, man. <laughs> that's why I can appreciate the guy that says, you know what, I can't, I, I, that can't be me. Yeah, I, I appreciate what those guys do because I couldn't even do that. And the same goes with soldiers. Same thing goes with soldiers. That's another thing. You know, you just celebrated Memorial Day. And, and yep. you know, everybody's all, everybody thinks it's all about the barbecue and all that. But, you know, people sit there and talk about, um, you know, yeah, I, I can't even go over there and do what they do. And, you know, and they're just killing. And what about peace, blah, blah. You know what? And so you put it all on the line voluntarily, which is what they do in this country. Whereas someone like my father-in-law, you know, he's from Egypt. And, you know, then there's, I have friends who are like, you know, from Israel and things like that. You know what, being in the Army, and even the Russians that I've known, especially here in Kettlebell Sports, do you know that there's no voluntary Army? It's like, no, your ass is 18, 16, right. you're, going, you're going to the military. Yeah. And there's, there's, no, there's no talking about it. It's just, right. it's a requirement, okay? So you have our soldiers who volunteer to do it. You know, so you can't, until you've had someone shoot at you, and, but I, I won't even go that far, until you've gone through basic training for eight weeks, <laughs> and had to just deal with your own, you know, for eight weeks and go through that discipline. You know, you really have nothing to say. It's really easy to talk crap when you're free to talk crap. But don't forget who gave you the freedom to talk crap, <laughs> who provided that freedom. I agree. <laughs> so, and whether you agree with what people are doing overseas or not is irrelevant to the point because the mm-hmm. point is, is you, have, you have brave men and women who are putting their asses on the line to go do, yeah. to believe, to do something they believe in, to support the country, et cetera. So, I mean, I'm – as you know, it's one of my big causes is helping wounded soldiers, helping yeah. soldiers in general, and that there's there's more that all of us can do for that. Absolutely, so, so that's mm-hmm. that's something for all of us to consider. And it's when when 
when people are putting other people down, it's always for the same exact reason. They're trying to make themselves feel better by trying to lower someone else's accomplishments. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's like, oh, I could go join the military and do this if I wanted to. It's like, no, you couldn't, because if you no, could, you would. You would and, and also, you don't even, why do you even have to say that? Why can't you just say, hey, you know what? I really give it to those people that are doing that. Why can't that be enough? Why do you have? Yeah. Why does it have to come back to you at any point? It's like, well, I could fight here if I want. It's like, no, you couldn't. Why can't you just praise the people in the ring? Or why can't you just praise people without it trying to come back to you in some way to make yourself feel better? You know, so, yeah, it's, so it's, it's all about you know them feeling relevant and it's like I gotta make myself exactly. seem relevant. And it's so a desperate way to feel And it's okay. It's, like, dude, you need to take some time. First of all, turn off the, turn off the pay-per-view. Okay, obviously, this is, a, this is another distraction. There's some things that you need to deal with, and one of the best things that I think so many people can do is just go, turn off everything, turn off the lights where there's no distractions, and just sit there in silence. It is the, if you're someone who's very insecure and really not trying to deal with life, it's probably one of the scariest moments of your life, and no one's even coming after you. It's just you having to deal with you. And then you're going to hear and see so many things. Even though it's dark and it's quiet, you're going to hear so much, you're going to see a lot, and then it's really up to you what, you. what do you do with that information once you're done? You know, how are you going to, okay, now that you know and you've acknowledged, what are you going to do about it now? Are you going to continue to be the douchebag, you know, and act like everything's all great? Or are you going to be like, hey, you know what, i got some real issues. Like, why is it I was bothered that I thought this about myself? You know, why did it bother me to sit there and think about, okay, I did this, and, and I, I, I felt really crappy about that. So you got to really start thinking about, okay, well, now that I felt, okay, I feel crappy about it, now what am I going to do about it? Am I still going to feel crappy? Did it make me feel good? No, it didn't. So what are you going to do? And a lot of times, no one re- a lot of people don't want to do that. No one really wants to be dealing with themselves and their own issues. That's why... Reality shows, we talk about it all the time. That's why they're so popular. That's why they've taken over television because it, it's, it takes people out of their own reality. Right. <laughs> it's another distraction, you know. So, and, that, and even in sports, there are a lot of people that, you know, they're big-time sports fans. Like, if, oh, man, just like right now, it's basketball season. Everybody's all – I mean, I see people going at it all day long about their team doing this, their team doing that. Well, first of all, are they really your team? How, how much money have you invested in the team? Do you have stock in this team? It's just like, no. That's not the team. They're getting money from you. So they're, they're, you see people kind of get into these arguments about whose basketball team is better and why, you know, why LeBron's better than this person, this person. Again, so it's one thing to be a fan, but when these people are just obsessed – it's like, yeah, there's some really personal things going on with you that you're oh, just... Oh, no question. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that always sucks. I'm, some people probably listening right now, like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, I just really love... I, I just love my Yankees, man. I just love my Jets. Well, I'm what's like, funny about all that is that I mean, there, there's this really funny picture that uh, Michael De Acevedo, he's the strength coach in Barcelona. I checked out his gym when I was out there. So he's, in, he's an IKFF guy who has a facility out there. But anyway, he has this, I don't know if it's still on his Facebook page, but he had this photo of all of these people cheering. Yeah, it was at a Miami at a game. Fo- yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I posted it, yeah. I posted it on yep, my Facebook. And then it said, if, if, people were, if only people were this passionate about stuff that mattered. Yeah, exactly. I posted that's, it. That's, that's exactly thing, what I think when I see that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> it, is, is it wrong to get excited about that stuff? Of course not. That's great. I mean, it's, it's fun to, be, to go do stuff where you really get into it. But why can't you be that way about your own personal life, too? You know, because that's what really matters, man. I mean, how about making your own personal life that exciting? How about that? Well, now you how wake about up every day. Part. Yeah, you wake up every day and you're like, man, I'm glad I'm me. And this is my life's <laughs> exciting. And I like doing what I do. I mean, that's a cool feeling. As opposed to waking up and saying my life sucks and 
let me go watch a movie to distract myself. I'll go watch a sporting game. I'm going to go drink out on Friday. You know, just constantly trying to distract yourself and doing things that are not going to help you improve your personal life at all. Yeah. So, I mean, those things are all fine to do, but don't miss the big picture, which is the majority of your life is you, not you being entertained all the time. So yeah, focus like on making your life exciting, and then those, you're going to enjoy those other things even more so because it's cool to go to an event. It's cool to go to a concert, and you're having a great time, and you're thinking, you know what? Not only am I having a great time here, but my life's great in general. You know, that's a cool feeling as opposed to this concert's awesome, but man, when it's over, my life sucks, and I got to go back to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh, like oh well, then that happened. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That, that, you can't even really fully enjoy that experience because that's what you're thinking in the back of your mind. Yeah. So when you actually have the life that you enjoy, then all these other extracurricular activities that you enjoy, they're they're, they're going to be even more fun because you're not trying to escape your life. You're you're just trying to enjoy other things. And when you have to get back to your life, it's not the end of the world. You're not like oh. Now I got to go. You know, my Mondays are not depressing days. People are always like, oh, Monday. The, oh. the, whole, con- the whole concept of Monday sucking and Friday being awesome means nothing whatsoever to me. Both no. days are just another days for me. Most of the time, when I'm teaching, actually, it's on the weekend. So if anything, I associate Friday through Sunday with work. And work, that's yeah, my for work. Us. <laughs> But Monday to me is I'll go hang out and have fun on Monday night if there's things to do, if there's something I want to get into, because it's, it's any other day for me. So, I mean, yeah. it's that's that's the freedom of having an entrepreneurial venture where you set your own time, you set your own clock. Is this this whole concept of Monday through Friday, weekends off? That means nothing to you. It's like, oh, that's when my nine to five friends can hang out. <laughs> you know, that's, that's and all even that. and even and on the flip side of that, even if you you know you have a nine to five, if you're actually doing something that you're passionate about, even if you are working, because let's just let's be honest, you know, being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. Oh, of course you know, not. It's not. So even if you are working a nine to five, and if you truly love your job, Monday's not going to suck. You're not going to be pissed off Sunday night, thinking like, oh, I got to go to work in the morning. Yeah, that's the well, real that means, <laughs> you, yeah. you need to go find a better job that that you truly that truly brings out the best in you, that really stimulates your mind and your creativity, and just really gives you a sense of purpose to be there. You know, okay. So I mean, I've seen guys who are like cooks. I've seen guys who are garbage men, whistling and smiling and doing whatever. And you would think like, oh man, I can do that job. But he's doing that job. He's enjoying it. So, and he's not going to sit there and be like, oh, man, got to go pick up that trash tomorrow. Okay, if that's because he wouldn't be smiling. That's probably one, that's one, of the, one of the jobs where you would think that there shouldn't be any smiling whatsoever. Smelling other people's trash, I mean, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> I mean, if I just drive by, like, or a landfill or something, I'm just like, God, that is just disgusting. And you know what I say? I cannot work that job. And guess what? <laughs> and I mean that. I could not do that, don't want to do that. So, but I want to give props to the ones who do that job. They do it well, and they don't bitch and complain about it. And they're very, they're, first of all, they're thankful they have a job. And B, they know like, hey, this is what I've chosen to do. No one made me do this. I chose to be a garbage man, and I'm going to be the best effing garbage man there is. So you've got to give him props compared to the guy that's got like the good six-figure job, you know, high above in the, in the high-rise, and he's still bitching and complaining about what he doesn't have, and he's got to get more, he's got to get more, and he's not satisfied, he's not happy with what he has. And, and he bitches and complains. It's like, dude, are you serious right now? You're, you've got an expensive car, you've got money in the bank, you're doing this, this, and this, and you're still upset? Well, obviously, this is not for you. You, you bought into the whole status thing and how people view you. This is not exactly right. what you wanted to do. And you see a lot of, I have a lot of friends that went to, like, law school, and they would, but they were like, their passion was in photography and art and things like this, but they're going to law school because that's what was expected of them. Man, one of the worst things you could ever do is try to live someone else's dream, dude. <laughs> that is like one of the worst things you can do. 
No, it's still true. Uh, it's the worst. Uh, but yeah, man. So yeah, great great weekend of fights last week. You know, it was good having Ken on. Just got a text from him, man. He was like really, really excited to be on the show and looking forward to being back on the show again. Yeah, and, we'll, we'll we'll have him on whenever he wants to be on, man. He's a fun guy to have on. And we'll, exactly. we're gonna start we're gonna start getting some guests as we go too. We're still gonna really freestyle the show because as as people can tell, you and I have a lot to talk about. So it's not like we need that we don't really need to have guests every week because we have nothing to talk about. We have plenty of cool things to talk about. But yeah. we'll we'll definitely throw in guests in the mix. As, as the show progresses and just, you know, we're, we're just going to see where it goes. Like my friend CJ Swabby was asking me in the UK, you know, what do you guys, what's the goal with the show? What are you guys trying to do? It's like, you know, right now we're just having fun with it. We're exactly. just getting the whole thing going. And I think sometimes people get so focused on where they think they want to go. They never get started. Yeah. Because they're like, man, like, like, uh, this is what I want to do with the show. And they, they spend like uh, two years trying to think about how it should start <laughs> and they never get around to it. But sometimes you just got to just, just do it, man. And analysis figure it out as you go along. Man. Yeah, just, yeah, that's kind of like what we did. Like we came up with the show a couple of months ago and then, and then we're like, you know what, let's just get going, man. Let's just do it. Yeah. Let's just let's do just it and just fix it. And you know, anything we want to change, we fix it along the way. Yeah, and that's, exactly. and that's a good, that's like a good philosophy to have when you're trying to start your own business. It's it just, really it's, is. It's like, if, if it's if it's on your mind that much, just do it. This podcast has been on our mind for a minute. And it's just like, you know what, dude, let's just go ahead and set a date. Let's start this date. Okay. So it gives us about two weeks to get things going as far as all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And we did it. And here we are. And, yeah, each week we constantly do our best to improve things more and more. And that's why we like to hear the feedback from everyone on the opposite end. And, you know, we take that in consideration and try to make it a quality show. And we know it's just going to get better as time goes on. We're not, we're not, we're not going to sit there and fool ourselves and think like it's perfect right now. If it was perfect right now, we, you and I, with our personalities, if it was perfect, we'd be bored. And we'd be like, yeah. you know, dude, let's go ahead and shut the show down. Yeah. You know, we pretty much milk this for all that we can. No, we, and- get, we get great <laughs> feedback. I mean, we, get, we have great feedback. I had a guy email me the other day talking about how talk about the importance of rescuing dogs and how that helps with your quality yeah, of life. So I think that's a great topic, man. So we'll do that. We'll, we'll have someone come on who's passionate about that too, just to get that perspective. And then I think a really good topic, in fact, we can even do this next week if, you, if you're amenable, is how the irony that a lot of hard-training individuals have very poor hormonal profiles, meaning that they have very high cortisol, very low testosterone in men, for example, or in women right. – very, very low progesterone, estrogen dominance, because they're working out so hard that it's now counterproductive. So right. like when, when working out actually becomes a negative, because yes, you can yeah. work out too much. And those of us that actually enjoy working out, we're the ones that are in danger of pushing that envelope to the point where it's actually counterproductive. So I think that would be actually an interesting topic of, oh, yeah. of how, how people get into that state what you should do when you're in it, how to get out of it, what you can do to support yourself while you're going through those phases. But that the sad reality is that sometimes someone who doesn't work out has better testosterone levels than people who are pushing it hard. Someone who doesn't work out and eats a crappy diet because they're still Mm -hmm. sleeping and they're relaxed. They're not stressing their body beyond those things. It's like, yeah, eating good, eating unhealthy food is a stress to the body, no doubt, but they're not pushing their body really hard. People often forget that arduous physical training is a stress. It's true. Like, oh, they always say it's a stress relief. And that's only true if you're getting the restoration in afterwards. Otherwise, it's a stress. So if you're working out hard and you're sleeping less, it's not a stress relief anymore. It's, 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 an, it's something that's, in, that's piling on the stresses. You already have stress from not sleeping well. 
And now you have stress from trying to work out hard on top of that. And then maybe you have work-related stress, relationship stress, financial stress. You know, and guess knows? what? And guess what? Cortisol doesn't give a damn about any of those types of stress. It just only recognizes the stress. Okay? It doesn't care if it's your workout stress yeah. or if your relationship sucks ass. Cortisol just knows that, oh, you're stressing. Time for me to release myself. <laughs> you know? That's, that's what it understands. So, and what people don't realize about cortisol is that you know, it's an anti-inflammatory hormone. It's actually a stress reliever, meaning that you're pumping out adrenaline, which is really inflammatory. Cortisol right. kicks into gear to lower adrenaline and lower the damage from all the stress. So it's like when mm-hmm. cortisol is kicking in the gear – Cortisol is a, is a hormone like insulin where if you don't have it, you're going to die. You, know, you need cortisol. The problem is that when the, – the reason why cortisol is high is because you're fucking pumping out adrenaline all the time, you know, <laughs> yeah. whether it's working out too hard or just uh, stressing out over things that are unnecessary. I mean it just goes on and on and on. But, yeah, we'll definitely get into that. And you yeah. know, we'll, see if, we'll see if Ken can come back because I know he works with you quite a bit on balancing recovery with – difficult yeah. training phases and so forth, and has produced great results. He has that balance really well. So we'll see if he is available either next week or maybe to come back on, a, on another series and another show and come back in. Yeah, but, uh, you know, at this point, let's, let's give each other a plug here. What do you have going on that you're working You have a workshop coming up? Or are you still working yeah, on speaking, any yeah, products? Speaking of, yeah, speaking of Ken, I mean, um, in about a couple of days from now, uh, Ken and I will be in New Orleans. Ken's, um, it's going to be an IKFF competition in New Orleans at Cypress Fitness, and Ken, the following day, is conducting a Bulgarian bag and a kettlebell sport workshop, and as a bonus with that, I am adding my body weight workshop to that, complimentary for those that sign up for Ken's workshop. Uh, so we're working together on that, and that's going down in New Orleans at Cypress Fitness. Uh, you can go to livecypressfitness.com slash events for that, and then next week, uh, right after that, we'll, Ken and I will be in Chicago, another IKFF competition, but during that time, I'm doing a master class of my own that Friday night, and also that Sunday, I am conducting a, an advanced body weight training for conditioning and strength workshop that Sunday. All of them are going to be at the hotel where the competition is going down out by the airport by O'Hare. So even if you're not competing in Chicago or in New Orleans, and if you're in those areas or you can make it out, you know, you can still be a part of the workshop. So the information for the Chicago workshop is on my website, which is newwarriortraining.com. Those are the things I have immediately coming up right now. And, um, hey, man, what else do you have going on? I know, I know you had a, a special going on um, as well. Which is yeah, su- with the supplements, I've got 10% off to our listeners. So if they use the coupon code LLA, again, LLA, it's just the acronym for Live Life Aggressively. So put that in when you order, and you'll get 10% off anything I carry supplement-wise. So it's, whether it's Exelzyme or my stuff, Aggressive Strength Testosterone Booster, or the recovery oil, get 10% off on that. And also, I'm working on some more supplements. I'm working on getting an Exelzyme systemic enzyme product under my label. So it essentially will be Exelzyme with ginger. Ginger has incredible anti-inflammatory properties. So that's going to roll out in the next month or two. I'm actually working on a estrogen control product. So this would be something separate from my testosterone booster. It's something that you could take with it or in between cycles or as a standalone if you have estrogen dominance in any way. Men and women can take it. It has an herb, an Indian herb, which I'm not going to mention at this time. I'll actually tell you, Sincere, when we stop recording. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those herbs where no one is selling it right now. So the last thing I want is some unscrupulous company that try to beat me to the punch and say, oh, cool, nice research in that. Let me jump on that. But it's an Indian herb that has been shown to increase DHT, which is a very powerful male hormone, several times more powerful than testosterone. And it also 
DHT also has aromatase inhibitor activities, meaning that it'll actually lower estrogen. So this product will increase your DHT and lower your estrogen. And then I'm going to combine it with a couple other ingredients that have been shown very well to lower inflammation. So it lowers estrogen through that. Turmeric is going to be one of the ingredients that's in it. So it's just one thing I'm fine-tuning right now. And I'm going to put together some samples soon, and I'll send you a couple samples sincere. I'll send some to some other people, get some feedback. So before the end of the year, I'd like to get this product out there. But right now, I'm in the early stages of just test driving it myself and having a few other people try it. And I think it's going to be great. But you never know until you test drive it. So we'll exactly. see what happens with you know. It's one of those things where it looks good in theory, and then we tr we, tr we try it out, and we're like, oh man. Yeah. Now what people don't realize is with my testosterone booster, some of the early formulations we put together were not effective. I put together mm -hmm. Fidogia with Bulbine, and they basically kind of canceled each other out. Right. So that was one of my original ideas that I thought would work great. It seemed like, hey, these are both good ingredients. Let's put it together. Now some things don't mix that well together, so you don't know that until you try it out. So that's one thing I'm working on, and then. Got a protein blend, a vegan protein powder, which will be hemp, pea protein, and rice, I mean, just high-quality ingredients, very clean product. That's something I'm going to have out there, more because it's something I want to take personally. So it's, whenever right. I take something personally, I like to add it to my line. It's not going to be anything special other than it's a good protein powder, so it's not going to be something where it has clambuterol in it you know, <laughs> or, or anything like that. And uh, I've got a couple other supplement ideas, one for adrenal fatigue, but I'm taking it one step at a time. You know, I don't plan on yeah. putting out like five products at once. It's My testosterone booster has only been out there for two months. It's selling really well. Feedback has been awesome, so I'm really focused on just keep, keeping the pedal down on that. And then in the meantime, I've got a few other ideas while I get things going. Uh, Workshop-wise, I've got a course coming up in Holland in August and Germany the following weekend. So check out my website, MikeMahler.com, for specials on that. And uh, we may start doing some workshop specials in the podcast, so we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that internally, and maybe we'll start throwing some, out some ideas on that, give, give our listeners some discounts on workshops if they sign up ahead of time. So we'll right. think about that. And then I've got a workshop I'm planning in October. It's not on my website yet, but it's going to be me and Dan John and Sabina Scala. So it's going to be a two-day event where we're going to cover some really cool stuff. So I haven't had a chance to team up with Dan John before. I, I know him and I've met him a few times. Great guy. So that's yeah, going to be a fun dude. course. Yeah. That's going to be a fun course. So we're going to do that in October in Northampton, just outside of London. And besides that, I've got a course in Vancouver. I've got one in New York City in September, but that's way down the line. So I'll probably add a few more courses in the fall. Uh, I'm not sure where yet. Maybe East Coast America, maybe Midwest. I'm not sure yet maybe some more overseas events. But right now I'm really focused on just glad to be home, going to focus on my own workouts, going to focus yeah. on keep selling my supplements, keep doing the podcast, which we're having a great time with. And that's about it right now. So awesome. uh, with, uh, with your stuff, Sincere, where can people go to find out more about whatever you have going on? Yeah, everything is right there on my website, which is newwarriortraining.com. And everything you want to find out about Mike is at mikemahler.com. And... Um, as far as social media, you can follow us both on Twitter. Just type in our name. So at Mike Mahler or at Sincere Hogan. And also there's a Live Life Aggressively podcast fan page. Just type that in. You'll find us. So find, anywhere on the web, you'll find us. We probably won't find you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not looking for you. We're, we're not stalkers. Us. Okay, yeah, we're, we're, not not, we're not into cyber stalking. That's just not our thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Ken, one thing I can maybe. I'm, one, thing I, <laughs> one thing I'm happy to see I never do. I never click on someone's name on Facebook and just start looking at what they're doing. It's like, oh, what did they do this past weekend? It's like, no. Nah. Or, or go through all their photos like, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Hey, oh, a friend of mine is going to call you up. Exactly. I'm not going to be all over your page looking at whatever you're doing. 
Well, that's cool, man. This is a fun. This is, this is a fun episode. This is a really yeah. good time, and we'll be back next week, folks. We're gonna we're gonna keep this going every week. So again, keep your keep your show ideas coming, keep your feedback coming, and thanks for listening. Thanks for enjoying all, right. all the feedback. All right, have a good one, folks.